The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe is he, he's, he's not here he, he has work to do but out now is a film podcast where abe and i discuss new movies weekly every now and then however like at these special bonus episodes whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different and this is one of our fun commentary tracks it is our commentary for july 2021 and for this commentary we are discussing point break the Catherine bigelow action classic of the 90s starring patrick swayze and keanu reeves of course and joining me to discuss point break we have from why so blue and host of the brandon peters show he's a real blue flame special it's brandon peters hello one might mistake us for going from one series of films of hannibal lecter to like a different kind of series doing fast and furious and this back to back but i assure you folks it stops here <laughs> also joining us from why so blue and hey it's peter paris's youtube channel back off war child it's peter paris <laughs> Hey, everybody. And lastly, joining us from Forbes, he's not going to paddle to New Zealand. It's Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. If we want to keep the pattern going, we can always do Torque next month. <laughs> or if there's that Charlie Sheen, D.B. Sweeney movie we could do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep going back. Go to the 80s. Boom. We could just do undercover cop movies for the rest of the year. We could, we could figure this out. That gets too close. But uh, how Stone are you guys? Stone Cold has aged very well. Stone Cold rules. <laughs> There's, that is that is part of the the Baxley trilogy. Which yes, I'll stop there. The three. How how are you guys doing this evening? Terrific. I'm doing well. I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually. Uh, I'm wondering. It's kind of hot in LA right now, so I'm wondering if I'm maybe going to do laundry after this. So that's the excitement of my night uh, for going into the weekend. Point breaking, point breaking and point taken, Pete. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, it's Peter Paris. Close, but it's Peter Paris. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't understand what we're doing here, figure it out. But really, uh, we're doing a commentary track, which is very simple. We're going to talk about this movie, Point Break, the 1991 version, not to be confused with the remake, which will get discussed in some capacity eventually. Uh, basically, what? the four of us all have it. On this track, not a separate commentary track for the remake. That'd be ridiculous. Um, but for for this commentary, what we do is all four of us have the movie currently paused because there are various versions of how this thing loads up. I will just say there is a, a production logo called Largo Entertainment. We have it paused on that freeze frame of that screen where the entire logo is on display. It says Largo Entertainment in association with JVC Entertainment. So all of that's right there on the page. Pause it there if you plan to listen to this commentary while watching the movie. On the sound of go, I'm going to we're all going to press play and we'll just talk, talk and you press play as well and it'll be good. If you're just listening just to listen, you're good to go. You just keep say you know stay with it go and keep on your jog or your drive or, or whatever else you do while listening to podcasts um but yeah that is what's going to happen here now so you guys ready yep yes yep all right three two one point break largo entertainment has domino entertainment convinced that her brother is off and away and they're friends but not really <laughs> 
There it is again, right there on the front of the screen. Mm. What is Largo Entertainment? We we will figure this out later. It's a man with an eye patch working for Spectra. So this is before this is before Lightstorm. That's Cameron. Yeah, I was about right? to say it's not Cameron because that's Lightstorm. It's a strange day is Lightstorm. I think that is right. Mm-hmm. Uh I can't recall. I'll figure it out soon enough. Uh, Did you guys know what a Point Break was before you saw I, this movie? I knew it was a surfing thing. <laughs> put it that way before i before i saw this movie i was aware that point break was a thing associated with surfing i do not surf so i'm not entirely familiar being from indiana of course i did <laughs> it, it's it's do you know peter uh i mean i feel like i kind of know because of the movie but no i had no idea i was just like what is what a, why are these two words put together you know before i'd seen the movie it's where a wave breaks as it hits a point of land jutting out from the coastline uh, before we get to like where we first saw this movie, which we generally do on these commentaries at the beginning, this opening credit sequence I think is pretty awesome. I love the juxtaposition between the surfing and the like the final training round for Johnny Utah and how over the top it is, where it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that it's harsh rain going on. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a test, and you got to do it regardless. Well, and, I mean, it, it instantly going from last month's Fast and Furious mm-hmm. to to this, you just was like. Man, Rob Cohen's not a good director at all, is he? <laughs> not, no, not, I mean, you, you really... Like, it's a, just immediately apparent. You establish so much from what Bigelow's doing here as far as giving you, like, an idea of what you're going in for, with the kinds of things, the kind of ideas that are going to be melding together. And, like, you know, who Reeves is as, the, as you know, the lead, mm-hmm. essentially the lead character of this film. Also... Bigelow, I mean, the way she shoots action is so much better than so many other directors. Oh God, it's, yeah. it's so visceral yeah. and right in your face. It it just it feels very like quote unquote macho and just the way you're like seeing the like you're you're seeing the gunfire, the way it's hitting. It feels like we're gonna talk about this a lot later as far as how the violence is portrayed in this movie, but there's just Mentos, a, the freshman. <laughs> yeah, that smile, yeah. There's a there's a lot of like just visceral hard-hitting stuff going on when you like see people like get hurt in these movies right and i mean her like to get it to go more modern her uh the in zero dark 30 the raid on bin the bin laden camp is like one of the best like action sequences of this uh deck or uh, yeah century that we're in right now <laughs> but i mean it's really impressive i mean and not a lot of times do you get that from a lot of modern war movies they're kind of get standard but she's got stylistic intensity and it dates all the way back here like strange days is a uh, light storm entertainment by the way uh, <laughs> we got that cleared up john c mcginley here this movie is chock full of character actors but oh yeah so many and this is him like he's still in like his oliver stone phase right where he's just like popping in every time oliver stone movie comes around but he, he comes oh, in pre, pre scrubs yeah, well, yeah. yeah. By the time Scrubs came around, he had been so typecast as this kind of character mm-hmm. that the twist of the pilot is that he's the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they, they wrote Scrubs with a John C. McGinley type. And they're like, well, maybe we can just call in John C. McGinley. Because <laughs> they I thought recall, he would just do movies and stuff rather than TV. If I recall, the character was written, not so too much about Scrubs, but the character was written as a bit more of a hard ass, but he had just his i think his first child has down syndrome yes and he was basically saying i don't want to play a, you know i i right now i don't want to play a character who's a dick i have a paraphrasing obviously so that's part of how yeah, not for a long haul tv became, series yeah 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 
So, you know, that's part of how Cox became a, you know, on the, an asshole on the side of the angels. So what you're saying um, is we need, um, uh, what's, who's the one in, uh, Captain Marvel. Is it Mendelssohn? It's actually, it's Scott's ben brother. Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelssohn. Uh, no, he has ben an H. Mendelsohn. He has an H in his name. Right. So we need to put him in, we need to put him in a sitcom to, uh, like change yes. it up. Um, and you know, it, you say that, but you bring up Captain Marvel. Like that's like one of his more cuddlier roles no, for Ben Mendelsohn. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Which is great, that's but it was like the one time where, it's ever happened. Like, um, but well, yes. that's, that's another case where he uses his typecasting against you because you assume he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it turns out that not only is he not a bad guy, he's a really nice, friendly family man. Being a family um, man, Gary Busey. Gary Busey here. Nice introduction as he uh, has to get some bricks blindfolded. Um, to, to quote unquote celebrate the 20th anniversary of this film 10 years ago, I went and saw a local production of something called Point Break Live. Oh, I've seen oh, it. Yeah, I've it's, heard about that. Yeah, yeah it's yep. fun. Yes. Yeah. The gimmick is it's dinner theater, and they basically do a live reading of Point Break, the movie, with a nominal amount of staging and, and you know sets and what have you. And they pick somebody out from the audience to play Keanu Reeves or Johnny Utah. The idea. I might disagree with this notion, but whatever, is that, you know, his character is so flat and wooden and, and whatever that anybody in the audience can do it. You know, can you Keanu? Well, I, um, I, I think, it, well, go ahead. I had thoughts no, no, about I, this. I, obviously, I disagree with that notion, but what, you know, experiencing that show, it made me realize that one of the reasons that this movie works is because of the character actors that are in supporting roles mm-hmm. because the, the, yes, it's a dinner theater presentation, but it really was missing the high wire uh, Gary Busey and John C. McKinley, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that energy. Yeah. Um, if it were just the Patrick Swayze, uh, uh, Reeve show, the film wouldn't be as impactful and memorable as it is. Right. Well, let's, let's talk about that I, a bit. Let's talk about, let's talk, we've talked about a number of Keanu Reeves films on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally, I mean, we like Keanu Reeves. We, we, we think he, especially, I think, towards the later 90s, it's when he really starts kind of getting into gear as far as the things that he's good at or the things he can right. like focus on. I can agree with Scott to a point that deliberately parodying him is not in the best of spirits. I get where that comes from. I also, I don't, outside of the action element, the physicality, I think dramatic acting wise, he's not at his best here. No, I, I I don't think he's no, particularly no. good. I, mean, it's, it's, I I think the the reputation I mean, of Keanu being this flat bad actor guy comes from a one two punch of Bill Point Break here and and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bill and plus Bill and Bill, Ted. Bill and Ted gives him like a film. Yeah, you you put him in this kind of he's a surfer guy, and then yeah, yeah you have these movies that he's a and was it much, much he's ado, not much, ready for those at this time. He could do them now, but much ado about ready. nothing is also another. Yeah, you know, because he's regarded yeah. like accents also. Like, what's the other one he's in? Is he, it's like not dangerous. But that he, he but, in around around this era, he does my own private Idaho. Yeah, no, that's right. the thing that it, I there's think that's these pretty good. Like, they, they, it is good, and he's good in it. There, there are these smaller films that he is doing around this time. Well, there's like Little Buddha. Like, there's other things like where he's he's not he's not what it feels like he is here. Where there's a very specific thing that he's doing, which I think is. The fact that those are indie films where this is like this, you know, these are matinee pictures. These are movies that, mm-hmm. you know, people want to see in droves. And he's just, you know, when you plot, when you pop him into the lead character role, 
he's not the most engaging when he's not in action. Same with, well, I, same, same with Bram Stoker's Dracula, where a good portion of the, the beginning of that movie is all about Keanu. Like you meet Gary Oldman through him. So he's ostensibly the lead for like the first mm-hmm. third of that movie. And if you're having him, you know, play up this, you know, certain era Englishman, that's not the role he's good for at that point in time. Right. Well, I think part of it with this film, and, and and I do think some of his reputation as a quote unquote bad actor comes from this picture, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think part of that is because he is, to a certain extent, trying to match the energy of his co-stars, Swayze, Johnson McKinley, Gary Busey, and that's not what he does best. Yeah, he underplays um, well. Having said that, I think you can mark his quote-unquote improvement as an actor because six years later, he goes toe-to-toe with Al Pacino and I would argue knocks it out of the park. I think he's terrific in The Devil's Advocate. I think part of that um, comes from the fact that Pacino... I, I, yeah. I think that Pacino, obviously he's a great actor, but he's a, he he's a very personable person as far as I understand it. Like, he yeah. doesn't work with himself. He works with the people he's working with. And so he's going to draw out the best he can from the rest of you, from the rest, you know, the rest yeah. of the people he's working with. And I do think that very much helps in Devil's Advocate. He's... Whatever, you know, rehearsal process or methods they went through... Pacino wasn't just there to show up. He was there to be like, if I'm going to do this, I want everyone else to be on the same page as I am. And there's a lot of actors that do yeah. that. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, especially these, the, these best of the best crowd, they're, they're good people. They're good. Ge- they're generous actors. They know how mm-hmm. to make that work. And so, yeah, I do agree. We're like, Peter, I believe you were on our, I believe we did our Johnny Mnemonic commentary. I believe you were there as well. That's another one where he's again in this lead role. And I, I don't think he's at his best at all in that movie. Like that's ninety. That's ninety five. Yeah, so that's right. after that terrible, terrible. But he's <laughs> but I will say respect. he's terrific in Speed, which is also ninety five. And right? I think Speed really knows how to tap into what he's doing. I also think with yeah. Speed, at least compared to this, is that he is playing on a more lower key level he is and he's not trying to be bigger than the material he is a whether intentionally or not he is aware that the movie around him is big enough that he merely has to coexist and that his low-key everyman reactions to the larger than life action you know, provides entertainment slash comedy in and of itself. Well, that's what well, works. Here, that's what, that's what works. Trying about, to be the, yeah. I was gonna say, that's what works about the best of the diehard knockoffs. It's that you are placing a person yes. that's not normally in the situation in the situation. Right. So they're not Gary Busey. They're not one that's already off the racker. Yeah. And, and then suddenly it's like, now I'm not only am I off the rocker, but I'm in this crazy situation. So I'm even more so like, it's this guy that's, the, the yeah. whole like Jack's character in that movie, the, it's the fact that he can be cool under pressure. That's the whole thing about him. That's why it's you know yes. when when Harry dies in that movie. Let's do a speed commentary, guys, which we already did. When Harry dies, yeah. like <laughs> he's really upset and he gets pissed mm-hmm. off, and you believe it because the movie's given you enough to be like, yeah, I w- I don't want to see that happen either. There's a lot there where this, it, yeah, you have it with Gary Busey. He finally you, loses his cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here I, you have both Gary Busey and Patrick Swayze and, all, and a lot of people that tend to go big and the tone of this movie and frankly, the writing. I mean, the, speed, the writing in Speed is a lot better than the writing in Point Break. I like both these movies a lot, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, they're designed differently. And I do think that, you know, yeah. 
Catherine Bigelow is not going to Keanu Reeves because of the dramatic performance. He, 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 there's something else about him that I think makes him work. He also wasn't the first choice for this, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that aren't necessarily working for Reeves in this movie. That said, outside of like moments where he has to like monologue to Lori Petty or describe his backstory and make that seem believable, which is weird that he can't do that. When he's running or when he's shooting or skydiving or surfing or any number of things that involve a lot of physicality, nothing wrong there. Like he's doing right. his job. No, <laughs> he, and he doesn't detract the movie. It's at a Hayden all. Christensen. Like, you know, it, it's to me, it's a Hayden Christensen or Revenge of the Sith performance. You know, the dialogue isn't great, but everything else is exactly what it needs to be. And what help? What helps uh, is that Reeves looks cool. Like, I mean, he's he's a good, he's a handsome man who looks good doing Mm -hmm. the things that he's doing in this. Like that that takes you a long way for something like this. I guess I I guess I'm also thinking that I would have to I would have to see a a list of marquee like of of big actors around this era. But knowing kind of what we seem to know about Bigelow as a director and also someone like um, Cameron, I think the casting of these roles was kind of what you're talking about, about the action scenes was they really want somebody in these roles that are, that are is do as much as they can, even though they're still going to have stunt people and stuff. And that's a, whereas in some other movies, I don't know if that's as important. And so maybe Keanu really was right. Maybe that dramatic stuff that you're talking about doesn't work, but maybe another performer wasn't up to that task of like, look, we got, a, we, got a, we got this wall. We got this long scene where it's like one taking you're running. We've got a skydiving scene. So it could be that, you know, it's, it's a hats it's, off you know, to the cast. It's funny. You look, you look at Bigelow's films and Cameron's films for that matter. And I mean, they are great directors. They know what they want mm-hmm. in a shot. They could see that from a mile away. They could put their hands up and be like, this is what it's going to look like in the long run. I don't think their casting choices are bad, but they do have a way of, prioritizing certain things so it shows when the things that aren't as up to par right. as the rest of it sure. stands out i'm not saying like i don't think like michael bean's mad in the terminator but michael bean's also not like the greatest actor right that's i think that's fair to say that's it Linda that's Hamilton's not what like michael bean says <laughs> and like <laughs> i mean and it's like you know arnold obviously improves over time but arnold is doing a very specific thing right like that's it's not the terminators are not requiring the mo- the first one's not requiring the most of them beyond being a statue that's deadly T2, one of his best performances, which is actually neat. But that's, you know, he's evolved as an actor over that time. Yeah, he's had time. There's been yeah. time. I mean, that first Terminator utilized him as something more than Conan or something mm-hmm. like, you know, it was the perfect. It, mm-hmm. it gave people like, oh, that guy can act and he's not really talking much. And Go to go to, uh, to Bigelow, uh, Near Dark, Adrian Pazdar. I do not think he's very good at that. That's a, that's a key reason why I'm not a huge fan of Near Dark is because of the, fo- the focus on him. If you put that entirely on Lance Hendrickson and Bill Paxton and and uh, Jeanette Goldstein, I'm into like that movie's great, but it's the Adrian Pazdar stuff where it's like, yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is about these guys, these directors, Bigelow and and uh, Cameron, they just grow as filmmakers, right? right. So, then, so then you get like Strange Days with Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett. You you have you have T two, you have True Lies, where you have and Blue Steel for that matter. We have Jamie. No, I like I like the it. film she did right before. This Blue Steel is Blue really Steel. good. I like yeah. that one a lot. Yeah, that's terrific. I watched you, that this past Halloween. It very mm-hmm. much holds up. It yeah. obviously is big a look. You know, she gets she goes to more. I don't want to say important films, but films that have a little, you know, more depth to them than just being straight up action thillers. So you get right. range K nineteen yeah. to a 
some extent, but you have Harrison Ford and Liam Neeson. You have Hurt Locker, which you know has an Academy Award nominated performance from Renner. You have Zero Dark Thirty with an Academy Award nominated performance from, from uh, Jessica Chastain, among everybody else that was in Hollywood that year. Like, because that movie stars everybody. Uh, I, and Detroit has a lot of great. Oh, Detroit's so good. Uh, I think I, I I will say though that like it is interesting, and I this isn't one of those things where I want. I'm not gonna. I don't want to blame. Cameron or Bigelow, you know, as I, I love a lot of their work and everything, but just as how people will talk about Spielberg and Lucas with the blockbusters and like some people kind of blame them for the kind of mentality that Hollywood becomes in like the eighties. And then I guess in the nineties, you know, it is interesting, Aaron, what you said about prioritizing, because I love a lot of Cameron's movies. I love a lot of Bigelow movies, but then I think about that notion of prioritizing of like, you know, it's the action scenes, it's maybe the world building, it's like, it's all this production. It's not necessarily like the what we think of as the performances. And then I think of what happens after these kind of directors. Eventually we get to like something like Chronicle of Riddick. Is that David Toohey who yeah. did that? Yeah. And you get these directors who they are all about like their world building and their action scenes. But man, a lot of the acting in that is so dull which is why i think when the marvel movies eventually come with their humor from basically like tv writing it was such a jolt in the arm for audiences like oh my god this is great these characters there's, are there's funny. a better balance of what we're doing because it's yeah. not like it's yeah. not like movies like riddick for example which is a great example because it has an amazing cast in chronicles of riddick it does you have, have a you really have, good you have yeah. diesel you have carl urban tandy newton judy dench who vin diesel specifically went to to get into the movie like uh a, a bunch of people in there and yeah, it just the movie falls flat in so many ways, despite having pretty much everything at his disposal at that time. Like they went we even, that should be a commentary. Some we did pitch black. We should do Chronicles of Riddick at some point because that's mean, it's an interesting disaster of a film. Yeah, I mean you can even argue. <laughs> that really, I, no, it really is. It's it a is. fascinating failure. Yeah, like it is I'll, a fascinating. I'll failure. watch it every like, so many years just to be like, <laughs> man, this is. It, oh, but man. I mean, pitch, but pitch black is like that guy's version of like Terminator. So I could see the studios being like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's got something, you know, like we should give him, and it's like, oh man, it just did not work out. Yeah, the Riddick's problem is just yeah. it tries too hard and two, he's not the guy that can handle all of those things. It's like the uh, war, it's like I mean, the Warcraft problem. <laughs> it's kind of, and then it's sort of to me like the same way that like people look at the Warchow- what the Warchowskis did and then you keep people, who is it that did Underworld? Len Wiseman. 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 Right, you get those kind of directors. And the director of that kind of... rando Timothy Oliphant movie that you were talking about earlier. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Crazies, right. And you get like, yeah, you just get a lot of this, like studios wanting to copy the talent of a particular, someone like Catherine Bigelow. And then they look at going back to what is prioritized. But unfortunately, by doing that, you know, as, as the well gets, as it gets worse, it, you know, not as deep. It's like, oh man, like I'm really starting to see how performances should matter in these movies. And, and here going, extending this back all the way to Keanu, like it really doesn't bother me in this movie, but I also saw the point break live and I, yeah, I had a fun time and stuff, but I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Like there's there are people like Bigelow and Cameron who obviously are more, interested in pushing technical craft, seeing how big their movies can get stylistically, but they also managed to wind with like good entertaining character interactions and stories 
along the way miraculously even though you know that's not their prime directive they want to do big action sequences they want to you know have a cool thriller or something like that um it's what separates them from some of the other ones that get right. that visionary tag on them where it's like sure right. they can yeah vision visualize things but in terms of making like the stuff that it all sticks together with that you remember years down the line these are very good people that know how to do that yeah maybe they're good at casting and able to find the people that they can just allow to run with their directing like or run with their performances right i mean the only person we have right now like that is probably christopher mcquarrie right i mean all i think everyone in the mission impossible movies those are all veteran actors by that point and they all do good work but clearly mcquarrie and Cruz are very focused on their set pieces. well he's got I'm tom cruise to, to run that for him like yeah, I, I, i'm right <laughs> tom cruise i'm sure tom cruise isn't just there to act and jump oh, around for sure he's for sure yeah. totally um, he keeps the COVID restrictions in I, place. I, yeah, I, I didn't hear McCorry <laughs> giving the COVID restriction speech. Right. <laughs> uh, That's true. Yeah, you're right. But I, you um, know, I um, wait. Are we going to talk about how we saw this movie? We will, Scott. What are you going to say? No, uh, in terms of you know, I, I was just thinking right now. So this may be incorrect, but I have to wonder if you know casting Keanu Reeves in this film at this point in time, you know, summer '91 was another variation of what we had seen with um, Die Hard and Batman, the idea of casting unconventional actors as action heroes. This is his first action movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But he's not, you know, especially, you know, coming off of Bill and Ted, I Love You to Death, Parenthood, mm. he's not the kind of guy that you think of, you know, he's not Schwarzenegger, he's not Stallone, he's not Joel mm. Norris. Um and I, I think that's part of what set this movie apart, even back then, is you had a, a, a frankly, a more, you know, gorgeous as opposed to macho, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you're, and, you're, and you're partnering him with Patrick Swayze, who is who has an action yeah. thing going at that point. Like, yeah. it's not yeah. it's not solely that, True. but he he's, he's you know, yeah. he's ticking he's ticking numerous boxes at that point in his career. He, yeah, he's got a good balance, too, because yeah. at this time he had ghosts, but he also had had just had Roadhouse. Roadhouse like he's yeah. he's got like. And yeah, even in things like Dan, Dirty Dancing, he's a he's a macho man. Yeah, like, you know. But at the same time, he's he had Red Dawn around then. So yeah, I mean, Red, they, yeah, Red Dawn. And he's yeah. a I think Swayze. I mean, he's a guy that he was very well liked around the time of his. But like after his passing, I think we really finally were like, damn, he was actually really really good. Like he's it's, not just like good. He's really good. Yeah. Let's uh, well, let's get back to I want to because we'll talk more. We'll play about Swayze. We haven't even got to him yet in the movie. So I want to I want to talk about Lori Petty because we're 22 minutes in and Swayze hasn't showed up. Yeah. Boy, that's oh, right. Lori Petty. Yeah, I know he's right there, we but we'll get to him in a second. Okay. Peter. Let's talk, let's, talk, all let's talk about Lori Petty because like she's mostly in the first third of this movie um, mm-hmm. because she's training Utah. Of course, this is like her what second movie it's her breakout. She was <laughs> she, so like back in the day. When you had somebody you thought was talented, you went and they guessed it on TV all the time. And she, through the mid to late 80s, was all over TV. She was on, like, Head of the Class, like, tons of shows. Freddy's Nightmare, she was in that. You guessed them on TVs, you start winning them into movies, and then, boom, this is Lori Petty breaking out. And then she'll have League of Their Own not too far after this. But like, Yeah, it's the next, it's because it's like, she's in Cadillac Man, but then it's yeah. this. And then, yeah, League of Their Own, Free Willy. Mm-hmm um tank girls 95 so you got some time and like i said courtney cox came and replaced her like that's pretty <laughs> much you can only there can only she replaced karen allen and then and then uh courtney cox will replace her 
that's pretty much how it goes for this type. Like you can't have more than one, I guess. And it's certainly, you know, for a, you know, a California surfer movie, Lori Petty's a, she's a shorter haired brunette. That's not something you necessarily see for a movie like this. So Mm -hmm. it's, Again, it's you know very conscious casting choices going on, uh, and her voice works for it too. Like uh, she's got a great, unique voice, and just you uh, just from the sound of her outside of a room, you could be like, oh yeah, she's a surfer. Like I don't know why, but it works. So now we I mean, are. I also yeah. think. Uh-huh. I also think that I'm not not necessarily her voice, but visually. I mean, obviously, this movie's 1991, so I'm not necessarily knowing if Bigelow was really aware of like non-binary roles and everything but i mean it's hard that i mean you're not hard but petty and reeves visually are pretty similar like yeah their their hair they're like so again i'm not thinking it's some huge political thing but it's like yeah visually i was like that's kind of interesting that that's like the because you're right it isn't the normal what we would think of blonde or whatever like kind of 80s action female palmer Mm -hmm. Teresa palmer who plays this role in the remake (laughs) <laughs> oh yes you're right yeah 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 so now we do have Bodie on here and the, the first thing they do is they all play a manly game of football that's that's what happens on the beach this is actually the same beach where they did the karate kid um uh scene oh, okay. but uh so yeah Swayze we already talked about it. he's uh, he's he's uh, had a number of roles that kind of put him all over the place the the action ones well, uh, next to kin is that one also mm-hmm. yeah. um yep but my no. thing with mm-hmm. my thing with Swayze was that I always felt, and again, I, I don't know if this was his choice. I don't know whether it was his agent, yada yada yada. But he had incredible success as a romantic leading man, obviously in Ghost and in Dirty Dancing. But he had less success commercially and arguably artistically as an action star. And I I've always felt that you know had he not been pushed so aggressively as an action hero in frankly B action films. I think he might've had a, a longer run at near the top. Don't you talk about black dog mean, like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, is that like, like who's that now? Is that like Channing Tatum? Like, wasn't he getting more yeah, success off absolutely. of like the, the sparks absolutely. movies and whatnot versus yeah, yeah. he was they getting put like in... comedies and comedies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Then like, but, it's when he, he's, he stopped being cast in somewhat conventional action adventure pictures after Step Up, which to a certain extent was the dirty dancing of its day, relatively speaking. But then, you know, when he finally does, you know, a, it's not even a Nicholas Sparks movie, but everybody thought The Vow was a Nicholas Sparks movie. You know, he does Magic Mike. Which is it The Vow or is it Dear John? Which one's not the Nicholas Sparks movie? <laughs> both. I apologize. They're both not Nicholas Sparks yes. movies? Twist! No, no, no. I apologize. <laughs> you did, yeah. Mm. Dear John, which was huge. And then The Vow, which was huge. Magic Mike was huge. But then, and I say this as somebody who very much likes White House Town, he then those and does the conventional starring vehicle, which is the big budget action adventure picture, which cost too much, but nonetheless was a bomb. And that's pretty much the end of his bankability in, of, at, at that level. Till we get Gambit. Um, so yeah, Gambit's still coming. <laughs> <laughs> um in a way, I've always felt that Patrick Swayze was sort of the reverse Gerard Butler, in that Gerard Butler burst, you know, was very convincing and interesting as an action hero, and then time was spent trying to get him as a bankable lead in other stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when he finally went back to being an action hero in Olympus Has Fallen, now he's basically a B movie star, 
where if you have a film that where 15 million bucks in opening weekend is good enough, he is he is a movie star. Oh, the the Rock is like the exponential example of that because that's one where he didn't do he didn't do he did the rundown yeah. and then just did not do any action for I mean, a good amount of time. With give that, or take, yeah, yeah, give or take walking, yeah. but mostly it's a lot of like you know the 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 family Two-thirds. comedy stuff, you know things that aren't what you think Dwayne Johnson would be doing, and then yeah, he goes to like what Fast Five and. Well, it was interesting because both him and Vin Diesel and... took that took that step while Statham just kicked ass the whole decade, and then they finally like what the Rock had faster, and Diesel went back yeah. to Fast and Furious, but they were both trying to what didn't want to be away. that guy, or at least didn't yeah. want to be that. They wanted to make it more interesting in some way, and it just kept failing on them. Statham, yeah, Statham to his credit stayed the course. It's just his movies never were giant hits. Like no. so it's they it's were, a very specific no, type. Never of got they, they were like the slashers for Lionsgate throughout that decade. Like yeah, made make it for five yeah. bucks. Take it makes ten. Cool. So bringing it back to Swayze then, and to be and to be fair, yeah, let's bring it, let's bring it, bring it back to Swayze. Uh, you know, he he comes out he comes out of this. It's a, this movie's like a, it's a it's a decent hit, right? It's not like a huge hit. It's a decent hit. Is that correct, Scott? Is that no? It it was a modest disappointment. It's a disappointment. Uh, it's not even a, a hit. Summer where ba- almost everything. I don't think so. I have to double check. But like I, remember, I see, I see twenty four twenty four million budget, eighty three worldwide. So I mean, yeah, it's not it's it's not a flop, but like it, yeah, uh, it was considered a disappointment at that summer. Mm-hmm. And that summer, summer, you know, 31, 30 years ago, it's a big summer. Basically, everything other than City Slickers, Terminator 2, and Robin Hood was considered a disappointment or an outright disaster. The summer was so weird that one of the biggest grossing movies of summer 91 was the re release of 101 Dalmatians. That movie makes so and much And there money. are a lot of movies. <laughs> I was there. I saw that in the theater that summer. I did not see Point yeah. Break in the theater, uh, but I did there, see that. There are a lot of. You know, generational classics of that summer, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Point Break, Thelma and Louise, that at the time were not considered box office successes. Um, nobody went broke from them, but they weren't considered huge hits. You know, for example, that's one reason why we didn't, you know, it took 30 years to get a Bill and Ted 3. That's odd. Frankly, on... Bill and Ted 2 was not considered a hit. That's odd on Thelma and Louise because that was like a pop culture staple for that time. It was. Was that a, a summer very release? example of. Yes, I would argue that was a very early example of more blogged, you know, written about than actually seen. Yeah, I would say. Um, I mean, the Oscar uh, love helped. I I yeah. saw all those. I I think I saw all these movies in the theaters, and I specifically remember that. Like, I saw Terminator Two like seven times, and it was like huge hit. I remember I saw Point Break opening weekend, and then maybe a couple weeks. Really, I'd have to check, but it didn't seem like that much later. My friends and I wanted to go see it again, and we had to go to a dollar theater. Like, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. Terminator was like playing wide forever, Point Break pretty quickly got to like the cheap theaters. Mm-hmm. So it was it was those big three plus the two Zucker a Zucker Abram Zucker films, Hot Shots and Naked Gun two, and almost everything else other than you know things like you know, Boys in the Hood, for example, that was actually a it. Um, you know, but but you know, Point Break did did. You know, uh, you know, forty-three domestic, which again, this was back when Entertainment Weekly wasn't necessarily tracking overseas box office all that much. I like the idea um, that that Zucker does Ghost, and it's a it's the biggest thing ever, and then he comes back yeah. the next year with Naked Gun two, and it's like, oh, that why, why am I doing I this nonsense? 
uh, which was also a hit. Uh, but I think that was a different Zucker, but don't quote me on that. It's Jerry so, Zucker. Remember, it's Jerry yeah. Zucker. Yeah, it's it's one of the it's one of the two Zuckers. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Jerry Zucker does ghost. Then he, yeah, yeah. then he then he's with his his you know with with David and and I, I, sorry, I mean just in terms of directing. Yeah, but they like um, it's a collaborative the thing. Them, well, they directed a few of the earlier ones together: Kentucky Fried or Airplane, Top Secret, Ruthless People, and then they sort of went off directing wise on their separate ways. He was a so, not for example with the other Naked Gun. Like I mean, I, no, he, I, I'm sure they were yeah. all involved. Um. I know Jim Abrams was the Hot Shots guy. Yeah. And, you know, Jerry Zucker directed, you know, the Naked Gun pictures, the first two anyway. Um, and then David Zucker was the one that went off and did like Ghost in First Night. Um, Jerry Zucker did Ghost. But, yeah. And, and Rat Race. Yeah. Three very similar movies Ghost, uh, First Night, Rat Race. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love Rat Race until the last 10 minutes. Uh, it's a movie yeah. that I've seen. Um, oh, I, watch it again. It's good. <laughs> it's a good movie. Look at me. I turned it off right before the end. Pete, Scott, when did you first see Point Blake Break? I saw it on network television, uh, uh, network syndication on a Sunday afternoon around. Uh-oh, give it away. Is. Give it away. Give it away now. <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is the bad crew. <laughs> the really bad crew. You don't want to mess with um, these guys. I did uh, not see it in theaters. This was uh-huh. back before I was allowed to see every R rated movie, no questions asked. Um, but I did see it in syndication, which was slightly edited for content, although really not all that. This aired on like Fox, didn't it? Didn't like Fox air it as like a movie of the week? Uh, it was a TV staple. This aired like I'm sure they did eventually. Uh, there was a local syndication network and called Channel 43 that you know that's where I saw a lot of quote unquote classic genre films for the first time. You know, I remember Halloween week they'd have a big Channel 43 movie of the night. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And usually one of those was a big deal network premiere, which is exciting for me because I wasn't allowed to see them in theaters, but edited for content my parents didn't mind. And if, of course, many you know, years, a couple of years later, I'd watch these movies on VHS and realize that at least violence-wise, I didn't miss much. If I'm not mistaken, during this, um, fight, where, lo- during this fight where Keanu Reeves is taking down a bunch of people at once where they're beating him up, I believe Anthony Kiedis, like, Mm-hmm. didn't go to like the fight prep for some of this. And so he wasn't the best equipped oh. to deal with the stage fighting compared to everybody else on the, uh, during the filming, he did give it away. Um. <laughs> we just, no, I, I did very much enjoy this picture. The first time I saw it, mm-hmm. um, what stood out without going into, you know, third act spoilers is that it's a pretty conventional melodramatic action drama but when the violent that most mostly holds its violence in reserve until the third act, and when the violence comes, it's very sad. I mean, the film turns incredibly downbeat when bodies start falling, good guys and bad guys and civilians alike. And unlike most action movies then and now, it doesn't pretend that there's a happy ending just because the bad guy got stopped. For sure. It, um, it takes and that's a mentality the- that I think is very Catherine Bidelow. Yeah, all the way through to something like Zero Dark Thirty. Um, you know, Point Break, uh, not Point Break. Haha, that's this. A uh, Blue Steel is another movie that's very, de- you know, simplistically speaking, very depressing. Yeah, you know, it's it's the violence that occurs is very tragic and and wrenching, and it's not, you know, it's not all 
wine and roses just because she shot Ron Silver. I mean, it, all of now, her movies the fact are. That she you, had to shoot Ron Silver is a tragedy. Yeah, all, all of her movies are. I mean, Near Dark um, is. Near, Near Dark is very much a tragedy about yes. things that people like. It, it, there's very absolutely. I mean, the, it's and not not necessarily suffering, but the fact that there, probably, there's there's a. It's not just not even just collateral damage, which is very much acknowledged in these movies, but it's just the fact that violence takes a toll. That's a huge theme in all of the movies. Strange Days is about people getting yes. off on the idea that violence problem. can like make you feel different. Oh yeah. And this was the probably the first one of her films that I had seen, so it was very different to me in a way that that really stood with me, and that's sort of what stayed with me, you know, over the thirty, you know, twenty five years or so. Yeah, the macho testosterone, the bromance, blah 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 blah. That stuff's fine, but what what stood out for me was the the toad. Uh, and, you know, for example, I love Mission Impossible 2. It's no secret, but that's a movie that starts with 200 people in a commercial airliner being flown into a mountain. But the rest of the movie is all, hey, everything's fine because we stopped the virus and Tom Cruise got the girl. Um, and that, that's what, to me, stood out about this picture, you know, then and now. Brandon, when did you first see this movie? I rented it on VHS when I was getting into action movies. Um, I think... Like, I think I found it. I, you know what? No, I think I found it after I found like, after I watched Speed and then I saw the video store, Keanu was in like another action movie. And I was like, all right, I'll check this out. And then, so, so then after you watched Chain Reaction, you rented this movie. Oh, it, <laughs> hell yeah, I watched Chain Reaction when that came out. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was a nice explorer thing. And then I, I mean, I've returned to this movie plenty, but it's not one I'm like, I've watched like a billion times, like a lot of movies back when I was younger or something like that. I would say I have, because this is a big TV staple for me. Like Mm -hmm. before I had, you know, a DVD of it, which I very quickly bought and then a Blu-ray, which I very quickly bought, but like this movie. And I'm pretty sure like the first time I saw this movie, it was during these later scenes on TV, as opposed to watching it from the beginning. So it's just like specifically the skydiving stuff. I think like I just turned it on and there's this crazy scene involving skydiving. I was like, what is this? As I kept watching. And then over time, I eventually saw the whole thing. Um, I'd love to be able to see this in a theater at some point, because I do think it just generates a good amount of like energy and fun with a crowd because of just all the things that are going on. Because yes, it's like there's humor in this, but like there's so much like character specific moments that are just like, enjoyable to see uh it, this is a very meme worthy movie like that's no doubt there's a lot of and there's a lot of quotable yeah. lines and everything things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't even necessarily expect to be quotes utah get me too like there's a lot of like just fun <laughs> things in this film and obviously it's a you know it's a terrific <laughs> action picture there's a lot of like yes there's not a lot of you know bodies dropping but there's a lot of action in this movie whether it's surfing you know the extreme sports thing so it gives it this kind of different sort of edge because there's not a ton of movies that rely heavily on like extreme sports being melded into the story in the way that this is right there's i mean there's unless you're kind of like drop zone or what terminal velocity or like all these other movies where it's like let, let, let's just see if skydiving could work out you know not right but, but this one really <laughs> knows how to incorporate those things and you know give you a pretty serviceable plot like the the, the core story of this is intriguing at least to the extent of the relationship that forms between Bodie and utah and like what that's playing on just enough to you know be the skeleton of a other popular franchise that we just talked about i mean there's there's plenty plenty (laughs) going on in this movie you know the the primal story of this picture you know the the uptight 
suit wearing cop and the freestyle, you know, live for the moment rebel who's also a criminal and and they relate, you know, even being sort of tempted by the other side is so primal that I'm kind of, you know, I'm genuinely surprised this movie isn't ripped off more often. Um, you, I, I would almost say that, God, I wrote about this 10 years ago when they first started talking about a remake. It's like, you know, this is the kind of story that you could almost see being indirectly remade every 10 years, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, because it's such a core Western dilemma, conflict. You know, it's literally, you know, liberty versus free, you know, law versus disorder, you know, freedom versus order, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'm sure this was not remotely the first film to play in the sandbox, but it certainly was for you know a, a certain generation of, of film goer. I mean, because it, it's doing um, a, yeah. it's doing a couple of things, right? It's doing it's doing undercover cop story. It's doing this kind of not Romeo and Juliet, but kind of this you know forbidden love to an extent. Yeah, in this case, yeah. it's a romance as far as opposites or people from different sides of the war, you know the the life uh, coming together. Um, those are elements that are done in other stories, sure. But yeah, specifically this kind of story, yeah, it, it's pretty. It seems like it'd be more commonplace than it is. I, I can agree there. Because it's like it's like it's a it's a buddy comedy or not buddy, but it's a buddy cop movie kind of, but not right. It's this like it's teaming up people that are a part of a thing. <laughs> there's, right. There's an intense goal at the finish line, but like. And I guess the secret, the secret between them is a huge factor as well. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I, I guess I feel, um, I, I've always wondered what, what, uh, what I would name this category, but there's definitely, this is definitely an era where what we would see as, I feel like we did call it kind of homoerotic. Like it's usually, Two people are the same sex. It's usually, it could be two women. It could be two guys. One of them is kind of like Scott said. They're kind of like a free spirit kind of person. The other person's kind of uptight. I feel like this is my favorite version of that. But a few years before this, we have Heather's, which is actually a guy and a girl. And then mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys would know better than me, but we also get when does bad influence come out, which is also Los Angeles. Also two guys. One's a free spirit. And it gets very murderous. And then you also have single white female. So I feel like for some reason, this kind of story of a person who's so- somewhat seduced by another person, you know, like, I feel like that's, it was just for some reason, a thing in this era. Uh, I don't really know what I would call it, but I definitely like a lot of these kind of movies. And I, I, A, I agree with you. And B, I think this particular picture may have stood out and or resonated because it came right at, you know, literally the beginning of the 90s and might have, to a certain extent, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too navel-gazy here, but as sort of a, a, a stereotypical Reagan movie, you know, Reagan philosophy, a rejection of Reagan, the reaction, idea that that... Reaction to... Yeah. Yeah, the idea that the rejection of the me decades, a a rejection of uh, well, yes, exactly. Yeah, I I don't think that's a coincidence. No, that you know, yeah. I mean, um, but I I do think that because of when this film came out and what it represented, it did play more potently and more specific than maybe a more generic the cop and the criminal kind of sort of get along, uh oh, kind of picture. Like right, the periods, for example. So, <laughs> yeah, um, 
to, to speak a little more scene specific for a second, this is day for night shooting, right? With all the surfing. It, yeah. it, it, it's always stuck out to me, even as like a kid when I'm like, not really, you know, I do, I know less about how filmmaking works. I'm like, well, if it's at night, how does this work? Like, that's always been my reaction to this scene. <laughs> like, how can how can we see like this? How can they like, see? Like, the moon is the moon's not that bright. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just not clicking with me how, how like, there's so much light going on in this scene right now. Uh, I get, you know, the requirement here. I wonder if digital can't, what difference it makes even digital camera these days, if that does anything differently. But uh, it is neat to see the surfing action uh, in this movie. Like, they much like all the you know the, the extreme stuff that we see um and there's you know it's in slow motion a lot of it too like it's just they Bigelow really knows how like capture a a certain kind of vibe for bringing mm-hmm. this all together especially if, you know with the with the Bodhi character in his zen nature it's like it the movie wants to seduce you to his side as much as it wants to seduce Con- Keanu Reeves to its side. Oh, sure. Lives his yeah. life quarter wave at a time. <laughs> <laughs> just accept the wave's energy. Well, here's and here's a question then. Do you, obviously we've seen this movie plenty? At this, like watching this movie, are we spo- are we supposed to? Do you think we're supposed to feel that Bodhi is the bad guy? Like ultimately, you're supposed oh. to be in the shoes of Johnny Utah and seeing why you'd fall for the guy. Fair, but so, do you think on the whole, knowing that there are these ex presidents out there robbing banks, are we just supposed to be suspicious at this point if we haven't seen it before? We're supposed to like be pretty sure it's him, but hope it's not. There you go. Yeah, that actually, which is the Johnny Utah, uh, the 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 scenario, the Johnny Utah, the Brian O'Connor, you you know it, but you try to find everything you can to make it fit another narrative, but it's ultimately not. And you have this other group with the Anthony Kiedis and all that with the bad boys. Oh, for sure, because they're like, don't they call them like like the surf Nazis or something? Like they're yeah, Yeah, they call them surf Nazis. Yeah, yeah, they're like pretty terrible. Like I, I also think that. There's um, and I guess Fast and Furious is doing this too. I also think sort of to, to Scott's point about not to give the movie away, but the violence in the last act. You can spoil I, this movie. It's okay. Yeah, I we're doing a commentary. We are, we've seen it. We we've not made also, it. <laughs> right. I think we are also somewhat like giving, even if we, even if we're probably sure that it is Bodie and his friends, we're sort of like okay with it because. Their money, the money's insured. It's like, you know what? They're just robbing banks and everything. It's just that it gets so much worse, you know? So it's, cool. like, it's kind of like, well, I hope it's not, you know, okay, how about this? I would say in my mind. They're not Robin Hoods here, Peter. I mean, they're holding, no, no, no. People, they're holding I mean, guns at people. I mean, <laughs> people have, are having traumatic experiences at the expense no, no, no. of their. I'm, I'm talking about what, what you're probably thinking when you're watching. I'm, you're absolutely right about all of that stuff. But like, I guess I'm saying that I think when I watch this, it's not about, it's not about, oh my God, I can't believe Bodie really is the bank robber. It's more that Bodie's the bank robber and I'm going to have to take him down. Uh-huh. And that's like, that's what's the struggle for, for us and for the audience. And I do think it has to do with, because we haven't gotten to that last act. We haven't gotten to, whoa, things get really bad. Because as I recall, I don't think you're right. I'm not saying that pointing a gun at somebody in a bank wouldn't give you PTSD or something, but it's not the same as how bad it well, gets. Like. 
Like, I think you're right in that the opening bank robbery scene, you know, in a almost subtle way, it points out that they're going out of their way not to shoot anybody. Well, I mean, it's they're not kind of, they're kind of funny about for one, it. For one, for one thing, nothing Again, bad happens, movie, which is good. But yeah, it, it, right, it's right. Yeah. But it's, it's presenting morality. Yes, and it, but it's also presenting their side of it. It's not the town yeah. which makes a very specific point about look how ter- look how terrified Rebecca Hall is throughout that movie. Right. Like, it, it's it's doing it's doing something very deliberate. It wants to show you these guys are very good at what they do. They're also a bunch of jokesters. Like I, I get that. It doesn't. It doesn't absolve them of the fact that they're committing a crime. It doesn't. <laughs> no, not, it doesn't. Of course not. It, I will, now wait, wait. Does the? Am I the one? That, has anyone else seen the remake? Scott, have you seen I the remake? Seen yes, I have. Something I, to I did not. Aren't I, they more of Robin Hoods in that movie though? Isn't the idea that they are doing like good for uh, like, people? a little bit, but they're also more I mean, violent? Yes, no, they're no, they're. I'm not. I'm not arguing. They're not. Te- they are terrible people. Yeah. But like, is, aren't the objectives more like? We're gonna like drop a bunch of money over like these poor areas. Like it's like literally stuff like that. I, I believe. think so. It's it's been a while. It's I've like seen it once. And I'm pro- I'm like ninety percent sure that there is like an effort for them to yeah. be like we're not just taking money for us. We're doing it to give it to like underprivileged people. Again, yeah. doesn't make there them not criminals. That. It's just interesting that the remake decides to like take it a different direction to a degree, as far as like make it make it quote unquote more justified with their things. Yeah, but you know whatever. Anyway, that remake is a movie. Um, <laughs> anyway, Anna, you've never seen it? Oh, I've seen it. Anna and I saw it oh, okay. like a week after it came out. And when we watched it, it was hilarious. Like, it's a bad movie, but it does a lot of yeah. hilariously bad things, <laughs> including like fingertip climbing on like these dangerous like mountainsides and what. Like, they really emphasize the extremes, extreme nature of the extreme sports in that one. And um, it's. It's bad. It's a bad movie. There's some there, there's some wingsuit stuff that's neat because wingsuits are cool, right? But whatever. It's I'm very shocked. boring. I'm shocked. Wow. It is. Oh, it, it, yeah. In um, terms of personality, Luke Bracey, yeah. I believe the the second <laughs> Cobra Commander, <laughs> yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and did retaliation, uh, not bringing it as Johnny Utah in that film. And Edgar <laughs> Ramirez, no, 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 I like Edgar Ramirez. He's no, he's no Bodie. So, um, well, it's. it's teaching everyone that no, not everyone can Keanu. <laughs> um, but no, it's, 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 it is what it is. It was a, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I always use point break and fast and furious as my definitive rip off. Don't remake. Right. You know, thing, which, you know, point break, you know, fast and furious has a 10 film saga. Uh, that's made six billion dollars. The Point Break remake did not make six billion dollars. Um, or even that same summer, you know, you had the Poltergeist remake, which came and went without a whiff. Meanwhile, Insidious has yeah. four movies and counting. Um, this is a nifty little action. Uh, I do think this, one. Oh, oh, real quick, this is we're going to get to this whole sequence here, and it's a it's a good like operation that they're running because it gets really tense like where things go like it puts yeah it puts keanu into real danger and it looks very violent if things do not go the way that they want them to go you embarrassed me in front of my family <laughs> it is it is interesting watching this a month after watching fast and furious it, beat, like, beat by beat it's I so mean, it's so lifted every I, element of this i when i watched this in preparation when johnny utah goes in to meet Lori petty and orders food i was like tuna fish sandwich <laughs> Yeah, I, I yeah. Um, What's yeah, it's, it's, doing? it's the same friggin' movie. 
It, I mean, yeah, up. it's stunning. Like not just on concept, it's beat by beat. Good setup too. It sets up the lawnmower. Like oh, it's yeah. right there. <laughs> Yeah. It's, just, it's just a great uh that whole thing was that Shane Black talks about, but then this, but then this, but then this, but then like the like the this happened. Okay, but we took care of it, but now this happened. Like this is that you know, core level stuff done it to a high degree. And it's less about it's less about like giant changes and more just like things are just more complicated now. Like there's right. a lot, like if there's a plot, this, it's a thing I have a problem with, with like superhero movies where it's like, it's not just this thing. It's this thing. And it's like the weight of the world. It's like, I already had this problem. Don't give me this one now where these <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> it's just like too much trouble. Like, like I can handle like three stages of trouble. Don't give me a fourth one where this is just like, yeah, it's a bad situation becomes worse. My army of widows will rule the world. Yeah. <laughs> Or like like Civil War is the be- like is the one that like subverts it by taking. He's like, we gotta fight this. Yeah. Guy. There's all these super soldiers. Oh, good, they're dead. Like it's just it's a perfect nope, like yeah. fuck. Thank you, yeah. thank you for not giving me five super soldiers to face off with. Which actually worried me about Black Widow because that movie has all these super soldiers in her. Right. So it's like it's like can we get past <laughs> this? Like can we go away from that thing? <laughs> Granted, they have a solution. Yes. They just you know pop but... red dust in the air and it's okay. But still. Pixie dust makes everything better. He doesn't really worried about Gary Busey. Like they are locked. In. <laughs> Where's Gary Busey at at this point? Like he's just dependable. Predator two, dependable character actor Gary Busey. Yeah, he had his motorcycle yeah, accident yet. He had the motorcycle accident already. No, he's not. No, 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 no. It's after because it's um. Yeah, so well, that was after Under Siege, at least. Yeah, because he's still he's still quote unquote uh, pretty in these movies. <laughs> like Predator yeah, he, Two specifically, he's all. I believe the Buddy Holly movie. Yeah, that was yeah that was the breakout. That's that's, that's the was yeah. Black Sheep his first then, like I'm a crazy lunatic, but you know it's disguised in this movie. movie. It's not this. <laughs> well, I mean post motorcycle, post motorcycle, no, post motorcycle. That like, changes him. That changes him. That's fair. I mean, because this movie introduces him blindfolded doing a cannonball into a pool to get bricks off the bottom. So I mean, it's like, it's, he's that fair. Headshot. Wow. That's the other thing. Too. We'll talk more about Busey because there's plenty to talk about Busey. These, they're good cops. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Busey is a good police officer. He has a theory that's right, but he has a theory that seems to be out there for too many people. But, like, he's, he is right about it. But he's also like, he knows how to do his job. Like, he has, it's, you know, you say now Gary Busey is going to play your mentor. That sounds insane. But you say that right now in this, in 91, it's like, yeah, all right, I can buy that. Like, the, the movie makes it work. Scar tissue that he wish he saw. Also, I got to say, this sequence, really good. It seems subtle compared to someone like Zack Snyder, but pretty good use of when to put things in slow-mo. Yes. There's like yeah. subtle shots that are in slow-mo and then other shots that are in real time, and it's really effective. The directors used to be really good at slow-mo. <laughs> that's, the right, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's the thing. They all learned from Peckinpah. Now they learn from they what they think they saw in John Woo movies. That that's that's what they, that's what they're that's what that's that's where the training comes from now. Back then, though, Cameron, or Bigelow, uh, Bay to a point, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Scott, Ridley Scott, like they they learned they learned slow motion because Sam Peckinpah used slow motion. He did it really well. 
Like this fight is crazy. Like everything about this, the use of close-ups right here with this damn lawnmower. <laughs> this is so good. Well, it's very Hitchcockian. It is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, I know there's no danger presented to Reeves, but looking at his nose, like, centimeters away from this lawnmower, it's the craziest thing. I mean, he's probably a couple foot from it, but, you know, camera tricks and all can look so much closer. it's doing the job. Yeah. (laughs) Also, shooting at it doesn't seem safe either, but whatever, it solved the problem. Yeah. Shooting at a gasoline... (laughs) Powered thing. Powered, yeah. Right there, and it's a bullet. It's not like it's going to ricochet off this thing. (laughs) No, and I like that, you know, right from the start, the cranky old veteran is very supportive of his eager beaver partner. Right. They support and each other. They have a mutual res- yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a mutual respect. I love the bit, you know, about 10, 15 minutes ago where, you know, after the big fight scene between the, him and Swayze, it's like, you know, they have to improvise together about when he shows up, you know, that guy, the kid that stole my car radio, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like that he complains about having to kill somebody because it looks bad on his record because he's a real cop who doesn't, you know, doesn't run around shooting bad guys all the time. And, you know, paperwork. (laughs) The the bane of most cops existence, paperwork. (laughs) Here's Tom Sizemore wearing this hair. This is probably my favorite moment ever of Tom Sizemore. This is it. This is the highlight of this guy. This is his highlight. Career. This moment for Tom Sizemore? He's, got yeah, a- he's pretty good. And he's so effective and being a- like strung out and pissed off. And you're not wrong. Good. He is very I've good doing this. <laughs> I could, well, yeah. Making fun of the fact that he has to dress like these guys is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Three months or whatever. Yeah. Like I know, you know, Sizemore has history of not being a great guy. But his 90s is pretty incredible. Like, he does a lot of really good stuff in the 90s. Capping yeah, off of, like, I mean, Saving know, Private Ryan. Like, it's just, he has a lot of, like, really good character-specific roles. Heat, obviously. Uh, I mean, he built up to a genuine lead in The Relic. Yeah. Where he looks, frankly, kind of George Clooney-ish there. Well, then, weren't they going to try to use him as, uh, like, a Clooney alternate for things? Like, or they're trying to push him as one, possibly, possibly back then? Wouldn't surprise me. George Clooney and Alan Arkin. Of course, apparently on that movie. Alan Arkin. Or Adam, yeah. Adam Arkin. Adam, 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 Adam Arkin. Violence, that film's opening weekend. For what, The Relic? Um, yeah. Damn, bad time. Um, and then, you know, he got arrested for, apparently he got arrested for domestic violence the movie that weekend that movie opened. More than um, once he's been arrested. Even, yeah, I know, yeah, it's been a, well, yeah, but, it's been a really rocky uh, road ever since. How long, then, was, how long was Michael Mann's robbery homicide on CBS? Because obviously he was the lead in that at least two seasons. Yeah, maybe it was one. I, I that basically was Heat the TV show. Um, Gary Busey seventy seven. By the way, that's not surprising. It's just like it's wow. weird to say it out loud. He's seventy seven. <laughs> well, at the beginning of this movie, he's been a cop for twenty two years. Yeah, no, he's he's old in ninety one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting back to Swayze for a bit, because I, I want, don't want to talk about him more. Uh, Brandon, you were saying, yeah, after he passed away, more people were kind of like realizing 
you know, the kind of quality he was bringing to a lot of his work. And I do think that's true. I mean, yeah, he, uh, he like his run of like success kind you know, kind of stalled out there in the early nineties. It seems mm-hmm. like he's still in stuff, but like, it certainly wasn't as you know high profile as it was, but he was like, he, when he did, it's when, when he did Donnie Darko, it's, you know, obviously it's a, it's a very different kind of role for him. Right. And, and even then from there, it took a while before he seemed to want to like cash in more on doing that kind of stuff. Cause he had like what mm-hmm. that cop show that he was doing before he died, the beast. Right. Yeah. And that was like, and that was coming on around the same time as like, like the shield was like ending at that point. He was like doing something like that. It does seem like, cause he's what 57. Mm-hmm. He had like a good, like older man actor career ahead of him. I think. If he right. Oh yeah. Really oh yeah. And he was on these things. He was getting to a generation that grew up on him to recast him as a, you know, when they're yes. older and he, I mean, the thing with Swayze, it just astounds me. Like no ego at all. Like yeah. the guy is just a genuine good guy, That's caring all, uh-huh. all like, you know, very generous as an actor, as a producer, like all those things. He just wanted to get the, he just happened to be really good at it. And um, like was just a good person to work with and just around people. Like it's, stunning to hear and it's not and i don't think it's just bs because he passed away i think he really was that guy or else we pr- and i think he's fine with his film career because we might have seen like bigger more ambitious stuff from him but i think he just liked being in movies and was going to be as good as he could be and whatever he was handed he found a zone for sure with with this because the whole zen thing like he really connected to Bodie. like he, he mm-hmm. loved doing the skydiving for real he loved doing the stunt stuff, but he also just loved. Oh, like, he was, this he was kind a of, dancer too. Yeah, he was a dancer. Yeah, you know, but he loved this like meditative presence that he had. It, like it feels not unlike Jeff Bridges like settling when he when he did the dude, where it's like he was already kind of like this guy, but it's like this kind of like pushed him into a certain zone where he could just like I can just be zen all the mm-hmm. time. Like I'll do my roles or whatnot, I'll have a good time, but I can just kind of have a certain attitude and just not betray mm-hmm. that at this point. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, he's just, a, I mean, I, I never had a thing against him, but then I just, I don't think I ever appreciated him on that top flight level like he really should be. I'm not saying he's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman or anybody, but he's much better than you give him. Because, I mean, a lot of guy dudes look about, oh, he's big for those girl movies of Dirty Dancing, which Dirty Dancing is a fucking hell of a movie. And uh, Ghost, which Ghost was a phenomenon. Like, that's the oddest. Yeah. We'll never see something like that again. As that When that movie came out, Summer 90, it made more worldwide than the original release of Star Wars. <laughs> it was basically, you know, re-releases and all. It was E.T., um, Star Wars, and Ghost. Basically the third biggest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. And it was such a, a a rare movie that really does have something for everyone. You know, it really is all the genres. It's a four quadrant movie. And yeah. does them well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because it, yeah. Well, also because of Swayze, I think I think Swayze and Elliot real, probably real, keep real Roadhouse quick, alive quick. as a. Real quick, this this shot here—it's all one shot where this happens, which is oh, insane yeah. to me. Yeah, Keanu walks yeah. up to the hot dogs there, the sub stand. The camera just shifts around him. Car pulls up, doesn't see bank robbers go in. Camera shifts back around, and the bank robbers come out. It's such a like we, we don't get, not enough credit is given to like how complicated some of the staging is, and we don't see that nearly enough anymore. 
Well, it's 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 very much like when uh, in Halloween when Doctor Loomis meets Sheriff Brackett, and we sit on him, but we see Michael Myers drive by in the background. Oh uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's it's like a next level taking of that. Were the st- like were the repeat viewings, or where you really admire the craft that went right? Even stuff like like watching Raiders and seeing like how many like non-action-focused scenes just had Harrison Ford talking with somebody, but you have to think about all the staging that goes into the fact that the camera's just on them the whole time. There's right. Like, there's crazy involved shots like that where we just, the the room, the film has chances to breathe and, like, be stylish about calling attention to itself, where now it's, you know, trick camera setups and, you know, fake one-take shots and everything. Which is, you know, there's credit to where credit's due as far as accomplishing these things, but you just, like, something as subtle as Keanu Reeves stands at a sandwich stand and watches a you know a bank robbery is happening behind him it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens in real time uh this is a great chase uh that yeah. we're into right now this, this is, is like this fantastic foot chase this yeah, mini, this whole, yeah, yeah this whole sequence all right getting to the foot chase. great little great car turn right there by the way <laughs> but, um, there's yeah, this, this this mini this mini car chase that turns to yes one of like the best foot chases of all time in cinema which is great we this talked about one of the other ones, right? We talked about Seven previously, too, which has another one of the greatest foot yeah. chases mm-hmm. in films. There aren't, a, I mean, for whatever reason, there are fewer foot chases in, in modern action films than other kinds of quote-unquote action scenes. Because that requires real people. Yeah. 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 And, if, and everyone flies now. Yeah. <laughs> then i mean you know when the firm came out everybody was going wow we haven't seen a foot chase like this in a while yeah i mean the big the big foot chase uh with uh hunt chasing uh i forgot what henry cavill's character is like that's a pretty good sequence oh yeah um, but that's, tom, that's that's less of a foot chase and more of tom cruise is going to run through things like like elevator and he's hanging on the elevator yeah. like but it's like but it's, but it's but it's protocol had the big foot chase in the dust storm oh right yeah yeah, I mean, Tom, Tom Cruise is single-handedly keeping the foot chase alive. No, yeah, he's he's <laughs> he foot chase. Running. He's done plenty of foot chases on his own. Mission Impossible Three yeah. is just you need to run yeah. across Hong Kong for four minutes oh, right. straight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know I know I'm slightly grouchier about that movie than most, but that. That, that final sequence is awesome which is the it's such ego by the way to that whole scene where it's like let's just have tom cruise running in one continuous shot that's such yeah. him that's so him being like jj i need to prove something here <laughs> like let me just run <laughs> don't cut i'll just do the whole thing like really yeah and we'll do it seven times what <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun little shot right there he's dousing the car that's action am i the only wait i forgot um Scott, where are you from? The West Coast. Where are you from? No, I was. Uh, I grew up in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, you guys are okay. all like in those that those middle states okay. right there. We <laughs> represent those three states. Yeah. We need a Michigan person on here because I. I mean, Point Break really was for me. You know, it really was the movie of that. I basically thought this is what Los Angeles is like. No, no, I don't mean the bank robbery and everything, but like. Well, and then Lethal Weapon Four came and confirmed it with this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, uh, it's weird. It's weird. I don't think of heat or, sp- I mean, a little of speed with Santa Monica and Venice, but I really think <laughs> of Point Break. Point Break is really the movie that I think of like modern 90s Los Angeles, Santa Monica. And well, that's because they have, they have shots For during me, the day. Was... That's, that's the day. Like heat, heat and collateral are great night sure. LA movies. Yeah. For, for me, it was Steve Martin's LA story. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Was, I mean, it was I, swingers uh, for me. Yeah, all swingers. You're swingers, right, Brandon. Is, swingers is LA, LA specifically for swingers. Yeah. It's yeah, super right. accurate too. It was it's wild much. how accurate that movie wound yeah, up being. That's a good pick. <laughs> I love how messy all this is. Like these, the fight, the scuffles they're getting in. Like before, when like Gary Busey's just shooting at the car, and he can't hit. He's just, like it's just none of this is easy. And yeah, this chase is just Spider Man amateur. There's yeah. just there's just enough going on where you could believe that Keanu Reeves would know what path to take, but it's still not entirely certain. Right, which is really great. Really, that's it, really yeah. A lot of times in chases, sometimes it's either like I'm like, well, why wouldn't he catch him by now? Or you know, how does he know to go this way right, or that? Right. Or it's the, wouldn't he be lost? Like, uh, and you're right. This is just <laughs> right. enough. It's, like, la- oh. it's laying out the details. That, that's what we talked about with the seven. The seven chase is great because Brad Pitt has no idea where the fuck to go <laughs> until like something, well, gotta, something alerts him to it. Well, I got a question. Do you think that, um, I think the answer is yes, but I was talking to a friend. I am assuming this was heavily storyboarded. Um, of course. Modern movies are storyboarded as much, or it's all just um, you oh, know, it's quite a bit storyboard. They're, they're, yeah, they, they have even more. They have previs. Yeah, they have storyboards. Yeah. I was gonna say it's previs now. There's, That's, there's, I, I would argue the the problem with kicks that dog. The, yeah. the, the issue I have now, and it's not like you know we're short on action movies today, but or you know good action movies today, but the issue I have now is that there's no room for improvisation. Like unless it's like right. a martial arts movie or something that's more gritty. You're not going to well, walk into like a Marvel movie and be like, "Oh, that was a happy accident on set one day." It's like, no, they planned that like six months in advance. Super, it's super calculated. And some of the times, like with movies, like they're so heavily reliant on second unit that I don't even know if the director's planning and plotting out what they really would want or get to with the action sequences. Uh huh. That's the thing too. Yeah, they're just not. There. That's why, I like, that's why I love like Rodriguez, where he's like, I do my own second unit. Like, I don't think like for because elite, it? it's a little different. But like for the most part, he's like, I'm, I'm, I do all of it. Like that's right. my thing. That's the fun stuff. That's what I want to do. Right? Wasn't it? Was it Deacons who said that he had an interview with Marvel and they're like, you don't have to worry about this. We he's like, no, thank you. I do the whole thing or nothing. And so, it's it's a lot of them. Uh, but I like like yeah. um. Who's yeah, the other one? There's a common story. Yeah. Who's who's is it's not Lexi Alexander. Who's the other? There's another female director that like was making a fuss about Jenkins, that. Patty Jenkins. No, not well. I would be surprised. Oh, no, I know. Aaron, it, but, the, but there's another. There's yeah. another one. There's another. It was one. somebody that was interviewed for Black Widow that walked away because of. Was that. it Kathy Ann? It was. No. But, but it yes, was it, someone where it, they basically said the second unit will take care of it. The action. Yeah. Which is like. I can understand being thrown off by being told that at the same time. It's like, we, we know this for the most, this shouldn't be a surprising thing, but you can turn that into a headline pretty easily. <laughs> oh, I mean, Lucrecia Martel. Like... Sorry. Who is it? Sorry. Uh, uh, Lucrecia Martel. Hmm, I don't know Which, who that is. Okay, fine. But when this, she did, She's Argentinian. Oh, Zama. Zama, so, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Which, you know, and again, what frustrated me at the time was that, you know, the various clickbaiters tried to spin it as some kind of sexist controversy. As if Marvel doesn't, you know, it's not as if it was saying, oh, don't worry, little lady, you don't have to worry about the action scenes. As if that's not their standard procedure since what Thor: the dark world maybe i mean so we but can, anyway 
Mm-hmm. So, so we're saying that like, if this is to be believed, cause it does sound like it's kind of true. So when Kugler did black Panther, he didn't, he write it. He wrote it, right? He co-wrote it. Yeah. He co-wrote it. So yes, so, he and uh, Joe Robert Cole. Yes. Or the so Joe having the, Cole, so having the finale where it's like, Oh, I want to have, I want to have like T'Challa and Killmonger and they're basically battling in an underground railroad, which is metaphorically really cool. So he wrote that. Well, the, the thing about that is that, no, um, th- that's what it became, but that wasn't what it was originally intended as. That's why it doesn't look very good because it was a lot. Was, was, that's what I was going to say was I was like, well, maybe the idea was cool, but the execution's not that great. Because, that, that's it, what because it was last minute. That's, 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 yeah. that's the reason. Yeah. They didn't have enough time as compared to other things because people want to lump that as if like the whole movie has bad effects. Like, no, it doesn't. That last bit's not great, but the rest of the movie does look good. That's why it has Oscars. Um, <laughs> oh no, the rest of the movie. <laughs> that, that and, is, and I'm always like, eh, what's with that? It's like, you know, yes, it's a Marvel movie, but who the hell goes to black Panther and gives a shit about the effects? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back oh. to this movie. I, I really like this section. <laughs> like this movie's already like really entertaining. Uh, but this section here, when they have to debate, how do we handle the guy that is one of us now, but we now know he's a cop and we're going to mess with him. <laughs> I, really, I really like that. Right. They, they want to like, kill him. We're like, going to, no, is that they could just kill him. They don't. They're like, we're going to take you on a skydiving trip. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is insane. It is insane that, that that's like their solution to this. And they, and they have a good time. Like they have a great time going skydiving. <laughs> they pull it off and they have a wonderful time. And then right. they're like, after that though, we're gonna go rob some bags. Like they really <laughs> push them. It's really fun. I will, say, I, I will say though that like this scene right here, this campfire scene, like it's it's great for all the reasons that Aaron's saying, but it's also I really like that again, I feel like we have a lot of these in this era, and I also think of like heat, where you have a lot of people and they're you have a group of like, or a small group, like three to five people. And they're really kind of shooting ideas of like what they're going to do, what the circumstances are. And like, what if this goes wrong? And it all feels, it's sort of like the verbal version of the chase we just saw where it's like things, it's like, it's just enough that he can't, that he's not going to lose his suspect. And it, and again, it just feels very natural, uh, which it, makes it so effective. It relies a lot on that code, right? It's the it's the you know criminal code that seems like mm. this accepted right, thing right. where we as the audience are buying into this because like yeah, we don't want to you know we're rooting we're we're somewhat rooting because because this is like a semi heist movie, right? Like it's not really a heist movie, but it's certainly like giving you characters you are following that you want to keep following, and you so ideally you want them to pull off the crime that way you get to keep following them. Uh, you know, heist movies obviously are different where that's entirely about the one heist. So you're rooting for them to succeed, even if they're criminals. This is like, you have, that's why this is, you know, there's a neat dynamism here where you have two sides of it. But in this, on this other side of Bodhi, you get to realize, and that's why Heat's like the best example. <laughs> it's like, all that's all the movie. But like this, you have that, and it does seem like a very 90 specific thing too. Like, even if like, like I was watching Hard Boiled the other way, like it's, there's a lot of that, you can assume a lot just based off the fact that these guys are talking in certain platitudes. It's like, yeah, I mean, we we have to do this because it's the way we think as criminals, this makes sense to us. And for some reason that registers to an audience, 
maybe because it's just you know it's so off of what we do as normal people that it's like yeah that makes sense they're criminals but they have this level of you know their own sense of honor that yeah honor among thieves great cool go along with that yeah this stuff with with Reeves here, by the way, as much as I like the Swayze stuff, this is terrible. I think he's really mm-hmm. like it's these when he's trying to get on the phone and he's like trying to convince Lori yeah. Petty that he's a good guy. These they're bad. That's they're bad. They're bad line readings. <laughs> they're bad. I can never see what I feel. Exactly. Yeah, the writing doesn't help either. But <laughs> yeah. right, it's bad delivery of bad dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like saw. But then you get this, and it's and it's great, and we're back in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. But for one thing, Bodie's involved, so it automatically becomes better, <laughs> right? And the Bowflex. <laughs> yeah. And the Bowflex. Trying to get his gun, just can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's good stuff. Those little inserts right there, like it's like you you really get a sense of what's going on, just from like the the mood shared between these guys. James LaGrosse. Uh-huh. Character actor James LaGrosse. Character actor James LaGrosse, but who does appear in the remake? Right. Oh, really? Uh-huh. This is when he was starting to like he was supposed to be a thing and then he was starting to decline and then the rise of Brad Pitt. Yeah. Comes and then he'll go on to play Brad Pitt in uh, Living in Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> Which he gets nominated for a Spirit Award for, so you know. Which is funny because I I always think it's funny because it's at one point Brad Pitt had to been like described by casting agents and stuff thing as like like James LaGrosse because they they had a similar look back then like and and then yeah he became grimier and Pitt became like less grimy right, but they both kind of have those like that big kind of like chin face big lips and. Um, just yeah, it's just it's so funny how that flip flop around. It is where Pitt, like Pitt got it out of his system by doing like California and Twelve Monkeys. It's like okay, that there, yeah. all my weird is gone. Let me now let me just do marquee stuff for a while. What was his last like weird role? Snatch was that, like weird role weird? for Pitt? That's a good question. That's it's, Snatch is twenty one years ago. Let me think about well, this. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Like weird, <laughs> yeah. Um. Burn after reading is not weird. That's just like quirky. I, well, Benjamin Button is that weird? No, that's not weird at all. That my pro- my problem with Benjamin Button is him in it. He's too straight laced. Like he's not yeah. interesting enough in Benjamin Button. He's trying too hard for an Oscar. Then that one. What is? Yeah, what is his last weird movie? Because that's why I started like there's some, monkeys. There's like, some Soderbergh thing I'm missing. What am I not thinking of? Let's see here. I mean, California, like you said. I mean, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that, that's that's full that's full weird yeah. <laughs> for that movie. Yeah. that's a too much weird almost true, true romance he's just kind of like a stoner guy you're right? going further back yeah we know these are that's the weird period we're trying to think of what's the last weird movie um, let's yeah. see like it's not fury it's not like the, it's i not mean the, it's not burn after reading it's i mean not that's, the, it's not uh, the counselor oh but burn after reading it's like it's quirky quirky Inglorious Bastards? It's not. That's not oh, weird, though. Yeah, I mean, no, it's I, like it's, I, yeah, it's, that's weird. It's that's pretty weird. specific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I, I'll count that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's probably it then. And yeah. that would be it. Yeah. Like it. Like the the counselor's more of. It's not weird. It's just 
He's just like a he's a he's a supporting. Are, he's, by the way, these are really great shots. Yeah, crazy. no, this oh yeah, this this, this, stuff's awesome. this stuff is amazing. It's like, like it's just incredible. It's just like yeah, wow. it's wonderful photography, and it's a mix of I know some of this isn't real, but I know so, a lot of it is real. But like, who's involved in what? Like, I can't. Well, it, it, it's <laughs> crazy how breathtaking. I mean, we just we're right off the release of Black Widow, which has a big uh, sky falling. Uh huh. Well, yes. <laughs> you like this guy falling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big uh, parachute type sequence. And it's just like, uh, okay, there's a lot of sh- CG stuff in the sky. And, you know, they're probably under a fan or something somewhere. This is like real. And like that. the that. camera is allowed to just hang on people. It builds yeah. to an intensity of quick cuts rather than just being like, okay, I'm staring at stuff. So like these close-ups, of flying. Yep. these close-ups are not real, right? That, I'm that's, assuming that's yeah. my that's my takeaway from that. If you're getting a close-up of Keanu Reeves, it's probably not him no, falling. I, I think Swayze actually jumped. Swayze, Swayze, Swayze did it like 55 times or something like that. Like yeah, he, he loved this. Wait, 55 times? He's he, a, he, he loves skydiver. Sky he's a skydiver. Yeah. yeah, he loved doing this. He convinced Gary Busey to do it, who did not want to do this. But he had to do it after the movie. I think <laughs> yeah, Swayze yeah, so. had special insurance or something. Like they didn't want him to do it, but Swayze's like, I don't have stunt doubles. Yeah, time. no, Swayze was very insistent on doing most of the stuff that he could do with this. Mm-hmm. That actually, the one thing he didn't do, specifically, the chase. He's not under that Reagan mask. For, oh, he's not? Yeah. yeah. He like, was, maybe that, maybe was, that. No, when they're shooting that, he was doing uh, pr- promotional stuff overseas. Yeah, he was for doing ghosts. ghost promos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ghost promos. Um, yeah, Swayze kind of had that. He, he, had, like, a go- he had a ghost r- protocol. So, r- yeah, r- no, he could r- r- <laughs> 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 Like Burt Reynolds, very much like that, doing his own stunts and stuff. Well, his stunts. Are, well, 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 well. With that said, yeah, for the most part, yes. But with Deliverance, he got in a fight with uh, Borman about that because he, he 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 did not like doing his stunts with Deliverance, right. given how intense they were. Also, I really like. Right what here, do you mean standing for Ned Beatty? <laughs> I really like here that Utah is genuinely happy. Like everything that's happened and everything that's gone down, I think he's really elated. And I think that when Bodhi smiles, I think all of that joy is actual genuine is genuine. With the yeah, character. that's why I like that's what I'm saying. I like this section because he's like they are both in. It's both a I know, you know, I know. And I know, I know, you know, you, I know. Like it's but they're both in that level. But because their friend, their bond is so strong and because Bodhi has such a different way of thinking than everyone else around him it, it's like it's like you're in this entirely different state of affairs with these guys as they're like let's do this thing because one thing i'm messing with you but also i want to show you life like whatever life is i'm gonna show it to you right now it's right. this crazy thing oh this is great too the whole pull the ripcord i forgot about this oh, this uh-huh. is great. Yeah. pull it yeah it's cheating yeah, he should. <laughs> um, no, I remember when the film came out. This was considered at the time basically some of the best skydiving footage ever put on film. Well, yeah, because well, for one um, thing, there's not a lot of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not something you know. I think Drop Zone probably had better footage because that was an inferior picture. That was the point of the movie with Drop Zone. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the thing there. This there was, I mean, that was like a '90s thing for a bit because it was extreme yes. sports. And extreme sports were popular, mm-hmm. so it was there sort was, of you know we can do this now. There was a few of these, like there's drop zone. There's there. What's the other? Terminal one? velocity is a lot of fun. terminal velocity. There's mm-hmm. something with like air in the title, air something. The air up there. Yeah, the air up there of Kevin air Bacon. That the same one. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. There is air bud air up there. 
uh, in Operation no Dumbo Drop. There's no rules saying a dog can't uh, skydive. <laughs> that's, why, that's why there's no more air buddies. They all did not pull the cord in time. <laughs> I'm going to find the other air one because it has like a random cast in it too. But yeah, I mean, the it's no slouch here as far as the footage shot. Like it looks great. No, it looks no, great now. I, like there's no, there's no, you know, the close-ups while you could maybe guess what's being done there. It's still, mm-hmm. you're not taken out of the moment of seeing like this amazing aerial footage. Right. I think oh. around this time. And this is, is, this is the, the film's happiest beat right before everything goes to hell. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like Brandon, what are you going to say? Well, we were talking about schedule. I think around this time is when the, the the uh, parachuting sequence from Quantum of Solace originated in the Bond <laughs> camp because they were that was a part of like so many scripts before it actually happened in Quantum Solace that That's falling from the sky sequences. So I wouldn't be surprised if during this era of skydiving stuff, like I'm pretty sure that's around the time that started coming up. Wait, what scene? In, wait, what scene, John? In Quantum the, of Solace, there's in Quantum a, of Solace. Yeah, the uh, the scene where him and Olga Kurylenko are falling and they parachute right before they land. That was uh, written like back in the, I believe, the 90s and like kept getting rejected from like there's a lot of stunt sequences and stuff in those movies that get created and don't show up till further down the road. It's great that Olga Korolenko now has two great skydiving sequences in her resume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I did like someone posted a Taskmaster Master and uh, Red Guardian. uh fight sequence photo and it was like quantum assault reunion <laughs> i think she's like on a mission to star with every major on-screen secret agent in hollywood yeah hitman she's done bond. A bond film yeah. johnny english of course you know who's really good at shooting grainy video footage that looks very threatening Catherine bigelow uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> he has a real knack for like getting intense footage of people being held hostage against their will on like grainy VHS tapes because that's like that's like all a strange days. Did she yeah. shoot the Joker stuff from Dark Knight? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. No one asked for Bigelow specifically. He's like, I know you're working on Hurt Locker right now, but um, I I need you to hold Anthony Michael Hall up by his heels and film him on camera. Uh-uh. <laughs> Cutaway is the movie I was thinking of, which has the same plot as Point Break. It is an undercover uh, DEA agent played by Stephen Baldwin, uh, who goes after a skydiving team to track down illegal drugs. It also stars Tom Berenger, and I know you're going to guess this, Dennis Rodman. Oh. (laughs) All right, next month's commentary. (laughs) Before or after Double Team. I'm curious, but... Or Simon Am I says, that curious? You should be. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> you're Scott, you're not wrong about the Christensen comparison because like the look on his face here where he yeah. has to register all the things that are going wrong right now after being, as you said, Peter, pushed to like the brink of happiness, like the happiest he can be. Now he's here and he has to completely sell this idea that he is has the rug pulled out from under him has you know his lover being kidnapped and threatened and that he has to pull off some kind of crazy job with the people that he's supposed to take down that he's doing that without speaking that speaks very well to again the things that reeves does know how to do in movies like he can emote quite well yeah is lee jurgensen in here yeah he's in here too he's having a fun 
fun run between this and the Wayne's World movies. I mean, I, I've always, I always sort of felt for some reason, cause I know we haven't done a resident evil commentary, but I and we sort never of, will. <laughs> but I sort of feel like, uh, Oh, you know what? Have you done a fifth element commentary? No, because I feel like Milijovic is sort of for her era, which is sort of this overlapping with this era too. It's sort of what you're saying. I think Milijovic, I've always thought like would have been a pretty good silent film star because she emotes a lot of things. Without <laughs> she was in Chaplin. I mean, but I, but I think she's, she's good with that kind of stuff. Um, even if I don't think the material's great or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as far there's a physicality that involved that's involved in those yeah. action roles that speaks. I mean, she's good in fifth elements. I mean, cause she has to play a character that doesn't even speak English for most of the movie. I mean, it's, <laughs> So yeah, it is a lot of like ri- rhythm and what have you. Where like Beckinsale is a good actress and just happens to you know be involved in the underworld stuff and those movies. The problem with those is that you know they're boring. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, but although I will say that does speak to um, even though I am somewhat of a defender of something like Captain Marvel. I do think there is something to like the right actor, the right actor for the right job. I think Brie Larson is a better all round performer than Gal Gadot, but Gal Gadot's pretty natural as Diana, even though I think Larson's solid in Marvel to your thing with Millie Jovovich and Kate Beckinsale. I'm like, it, yeah, I don't think it's Beckinsale's. You're right. It's not, she's not the problem, but she's also not really. The I mean, best part Gadot, of Gadot feels larger than life in her role. And like uh, that's it's it kind of feels like a rare occurrence, lightning in a bottle with her uh, right, compared right. to the others you mentioned, which are just kind of like okay, it's a material thing, and that's and honestly, it's direction. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, how yeah, you're directing yeah. your actors. And Paul, oh, and Gaga Dot in those films, it's again, I I say Christian Aiden Christensen and Lorenzo the Sith, where she's not the best with big heavy dialogue scenes, but physically she's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, but I also think yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's something it, it sort of reminds me. And I know she was going for Reeves. Like there's a sincerity to her performance that I really like. Yes. Well, the first one, the, it, the screenplay is strong. Like it's doing, yeah, a, lot yeah. of, it's doing yeah. a lot of good work. Let's talk about this now. Cause this is the big bank robbery. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, with the ex-presidents. Uh, by, oh, wait, 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 by the way, we skipped, we skipped over this. I really like the fact that Keanu Reeves puts it all together because you know, surfer dude pulls out his butt while he's serving. He's like, yeah. I get it now. I understand who it is. I get it. <laughs> now it all clicks together. Like it's the kind of thing like that, where it's like, yeah, these are like action dramas to a point, but they know how to have fun. Like they know how to make well, it. No, and they're having fun right now because like the presidents, the dead presidents get killed in the order. They were assassinated. <laughs> yeah, <they do. laughs> and the only one, and the funny thing is the only one that doesn't get shot is Reagan. Who uh-huh. got, did get shot, but he didn't didn't die from that. But well, Nixon didn't get shot. All right. Wait, is it? Wait, is it Reagan, Nixon, LBJ? Who's the other one? Um, is it JFK? Was oh, JFK? Uh, yeah, JFK. Wh- which is funny because I mean, the movie at the time it was made, Nixon was still alive, and so was Reagan. So, oddly enough, fate would have it. <laughs> they die in the order they died in real life before that. Well, I happen. never, I had never heard that. Oh, that's interesting trivia. 
And this is where they make their mistake. They gotta go, they go over the vault. Right. It's the one thing they never they never go we never do the vaults. Show me the powwow safe. Well, they need a bigger rush. Breaking your own rules. That's man. that's why you don't go skydiving before you rob a bank. <laughs> that's true. And this, I mean, this stuff is intense. Jimmy Carter, that's who it is. It's not okay. JFK. Um, so, yeah, wow. That, yeah. Card, Carter's still kicking it. Oh, yeah, Carter's still yeah, kicking, it. Still yeah. kicking it. Yeah. And, you know, sa- saving the world one house at a time because he's a great person. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous oh, how, God, how amazing I, he is I, as a person. <laughs> like, I, I always can't stand this character. This guy drives me, this, this, this idiot. You're always like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Please don't make it worse for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's us as the security guard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. like, what are you doing? Just please don't do this. And it's it, it's nothing but selfish because there's no scenario where these four guys he's going to take them down and everyone's going to be safe. It's true. Does the security guard die? I forget now. <laughs> yes. Think. Okay. Yeah. It's sad then. It is all sad. Yeah, Reagan oh, does get shot. Right. It's just a, it's in the no, vest, no, 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 but, but it's a vest, I know it's right. a, I know he's got a vest on. Yeah, 90 shootouts, smoky. Oh, great. As I recall, this is a really cool shot when he's going to come up from above and takes the mask off or whatever. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, he, he goes up, Ooh, he gets Johnson up slower gets shot right, the mask. Yeah. right there. Uh, mm, he pulls it off and then he maybe. gives that worried face. He's like, oh, we got to reload. Reload, <laughs> none of time. And the, the, it's dramatic because this is the only person Bodhi kills in this movie. Yeah. Oof. Out of necessity. And there's the standard scene where if you get shot in your vest, you need to make sure to open your shirt and, and, and to let us know. Yeah. yeah, because if there's one thing that makes sense, it's to take your vest off during the action scene that you're still in. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing that they never got caught before this because they all have long hair and they don't tie it back. I mean, that just seems <laughs> <laughs> like really irresponsible for a bank robber. And it's like Busey really must be a great cut because these guys can't figure this out. I mean, they're mm-hmm. robbing banks during a certain time of year at a certain part of the country. Like it feels like the pattern gets established pretty quickly. <laughs> Not all super cops, oh, right, I guess. But I think they say I think they say earlier in the movie though. There's what is it like four thousand banks in the, whatever the area? You you just can't possibly watch all of them. I so, suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of banks. I don't. I, I guess. I don't. I guess in my mind, I just don't think about how many banks there are in the world. Sometimes, like I was I watching, remember. like watching, like set it, set it off, where they rob a lot of banks in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like I guess there are a lot of banks. The right. banks of California are being robbed. Are you speaking, a bad enough dude to save the banks? Speaking, speaking of great bank robbery movies, set it off is a great movie as well. Yeah, smoking lethal warrior doesn't nearly get enough credit as it should. These I remember are the days of our lives. In the early '90s, I think, where I mean, it was an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, where I think, I think like like three or four banks got robbed in California a day in the early '90s, but it was a a lot. <laughs> now you'd be dumb as hell to rob a bank. 
Unless it's digitally, then. <laughs> yeah, the crypto wars are going to be intense. I hope they have Chris Hemsworth there to help stop him. Oh, is he going to punch him out? Is this the scene where he punches him? Yeah. Of course. Of course it is. Respect your elders, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because he's busy, he has a way of accenting those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like respect at your elders or something. God, those teeth. Yeah. <laughs> just like his his out, son got him too. That's the funniest thing. Uh-huh. There's so much energy like radiating off of them as they're they're out character actor each other. <laughs> the spin on McGinley there. Yeah, he knocks him cold. We t- I mean, we can't comment everything, but the scenes of him chewing them out in his office are very fun. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's, he does angry captain quite well in this movie. <laughs> and it's not necessarily undeserved as far as some of the things. I mean if you're strolling up to work wearing your, you know, your surf outfit, and you're bored. I mean, you're an FBI agent. Well, seems like you leave that somewhere. <laughs> what airport is this? <laughs> the coast it's Santa Monica. It's Santa Monica Airport. Yeah, they make it so yeah. small. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys just went for a... Oh, so there's only two left? Oh, well, Rosie. No, no, no. There's three, there's three left. Yeah. Because... Um, or there's, is there four? Like, one shot. You know, yeah, brother one... hasn't died yet. LeGros yeah. hanging on. Well, there's four then, right? Because there's still one in the background, like, heading around. Oh, no, there's four of them. And one of them is the, there's a pilot that doesn't know they're bank robbers. Yeah, the pilot's just like, I guess I got money. <laughs> I always feel so bad here for Busey. I really like his character. You should feel bad for everybody. Yeah, Roach. Ro- Roach is still. The, I don't feel bad for the cop guy who made it worse. I don't feel bad for that guy, but I do feel bad for everybody else. And again, it's, it's a good subversion of the whole macho good guy with the gun mentality. <laughs> no, no, no. I say when it's over. Yeah. Oh, Swayze. See, like this stuff works with Reeves also. Like you see, like he has it under control mm-hmm. here. Oh, there he is. You're right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, about there's that. a fourth. Yeah, because he comes in behind him. Right. Then you got, then you got a guy bleeding out on the on the you got the, the grove bleeding out on the plane, and these two guys. Right, it is a shootout, so you're gonna you know lose some people anyway here. Uh, the other people they wanted for Utah, uh, you had Matthew Broderick, Johnny mm. Depp, Johnny Depp, okay, Val Kilmer, who okay. would honestly just be Bodie, uh, Sheen, of course, and um, Willem Dafoe. For whatever reason, was on the list. Well, he, the weird. Yeah. Defoe for Johnny yeah. Utah. And he turned it down. Good. 
Yeah, what? The... I mean, 91, like, Mississippi Burning's not too far away where he plays, like, the, maybe, let, maybe, the younger cop. Like, Bigelow I, just worked, went to work with yeah, him. Yeah, he was, no, no, he, he worked with him a lot. That's, he's, he's the star of her first movie. Uh, what's yeah. it? Um, Loveless, right? Okay. So, you know, maybe it's just like, hey, I want to work with you again or something. Jesus Christ, Johnny Utah. The know. script did evolve over time. Like, initially it was about skateboarding before it was about surfing. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Huh. And then they saw uh, Thrashing and were like, no, we can't do that. But yeah, they saw Thrashing and Gleaming the Cube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I could I could see most, like Broderick, no. Sheen, yeah, Broderick, Broderick, I wouldn't believe in the action. Sheen, I Sheen's could see as the, she, she, yeah, Sheen's the obvious. Sheen stars in, because Sheen stars in the other version of this movie. <laughs> so it's like, right, yeah, yeah. But in the bad guy role, but yeah. yeah. Depp, I get, I get where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kilmer just seems like he'd be the Bodie. It just seems like there'd be two Bodies, so you wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, even back then, I mean, I don't know his age offhand, but I mean, he's doing the Doors the same year, so he's basically playing Bodie. <laughs> like... True. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. I I did not know who uh, who else was uh, they were casting for Reeves. I, I will say, you telling me that, and then thinking about, wasn't it Will Smith and DiCaprio for The Matrix? I think, yeah. Like I gotta say, I feel I feel like history history chose right. I think Reeves is is correct, even though I mean, arguably Depp was would have been a strong, and obviously Willem Dafoe would have been a stronger actor. Well, Depp's but, coming off like Jump Street. You could you could see that with Depp with Depp in this role. I could see it. It doesn't make it necessarily more, better, but it would more have cast a type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, frankly, it was the kind of role that he seemed to be avoiding at that point. Yeah. Well, this is ninety one, so it's what like Benny and June. He's in yeah. something like that. Yeah. He was trying to get away from the 21 jump seat mentality. And now, obviously, you found Burton. So, you know. Yes. Um, Michael Bean was up for Bodie. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Is this Swayze's best role? Mm. My, it's my favorite, for I mean, sure. It's one of his three best roles. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> what does it go with? Ghost of Dirty Dancing? Yeah. Not Roadhouse. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. What did you say? Ghost and Dirty Dead? You didn't think not Donnie, uh, Donnie Darko? Or is that just too small of a role? It's too small of a role. I mean, yeah. it's, he's, 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 cer- he's certainly very good at it, but I don't he's think it. I mean, look, these three movies are why he's an icon. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, Casablanca might not be my favorite Bogart performance, but that is not, you know, he's not known for, you know, in a, a lonely, lonely place. place. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not the, uh, It's so funny as a person who didn't live in LA at the time, we, we were talking during the scene, but when they're talking about scoping them out, Keanu, uh, Johnny Utah says something like I saw him at Patrick's roadhouse. When I saw this, I thought that was like a meta joke because of roadhouse and it's Patrick Swayze. And then later, of course I move here. I'm like, Oh my God, that's actually a place called Patrick's roadhouse. Ah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's not beyond them to be referencing it, though, in a movie that stars Patrick Swayze. <laughs> true, true, right. But it is a real place. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, again, that's the, that, I mean, Cameron's that way, too. They know, they know jokes. Like, they know how to, like, insert <laughs> stuff in there. They're not, these guys are not, uh, these people are not absent of a sense of humor. They know. They're down like, for a silly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, because it is interesting thinking about where Bigelow's career goes from here, thinking all the way to like Zero Dark Thirty in Detroit. 
this movie obviously I don't think as is as you know political as as those films, but it does seem like not only is Bigelow, like Scott said, kind of bleak or kind of dark in her endings, mm-hmm. it basically seems like Bigelow's movies are about people who have a code. And essentially the code means nothing because the, the people basically just become selfish. That, that seems to be a big thing in a lot of these movies is it's like, you think you stand for something and it really doesn't matter. Corruption like, plays into it. In a number of them. Right. Or you could say corruption. Right. Yeah. Huh. That said, I mean, not, I mean, this movie has four presidents that die. It's pretty political. <laughs> I mean, but it's, I mean, sure. I know, I'm kidding. I mean, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yes. C- compared to Detroit or Zero Dark Thirty, this movie's not very political. Uh, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> he's, trying, he's trying to get off the last word. He's like, oh, like he falls out the back of the plane. <laughs> Is Swayze, is Swayze generally genuinely surprised when but when Utah comes after him? This is great. There he goes, right? Whoa, that's so awesome. Adios, amigo. He has to figure it out. What can he that, do? That feels like a shot Bigelow shows Fox just to piss them off, like when they're doing dailies. <laughs> it's like, look what look what look what we got Swayze to do today. <laughs> shows yeah. out of the back of the plane. <laughs> so do you think that's Keanu? Uh, no, there's some clever editing going yeah. on there. Yeah, It'd but be cool. because yeah. again, Peter, he is a movie star that's not wearing a parachute, and he just jumped right. in an airplane. There's no world. <laughs> there's no world where they're like, yeah, let's let that go. <laughs> <laughs> the first take went very wrong. Now the take. Yeah, good thing he has a twin brother, also named Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, watch the watching this for the first time. Um, <laughs> Even then, my mind was like, does this work? No goggles, no parachute, fine. But I am so caught up in everything that's happening right now. I was like, he just jumped out of a plane to go after this guy. That is insane, and I am into it right now. Give me all of this. And it's wild. And this, like, he jumped out of a plane with no parachute. Like that's that's a that's a really cool thing to see happen the first time since what Moonraker. <laughs> this is the film's third of five endings. <laughs> this is pretty great. It's like he can't gotta gotta let go of the gun, you know. Like uh... yeah, the nice do or die scenario. Yeah, which makes no sense again because they they can converse like this and again no goggles, which is amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like even Roger it's Moore had goggles in Moonraker. <laughs> did jo- yeah, Jaws did. Yeah, they both they all did. They all they all knew the wore their goggles. <laughs> the camera does a lot of heavy lifting here too, as far as like showing you getting closer to the ground. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really it's throwing you at it, even though you know you know you're relatively safe. But at the same time, just visualizing how how are they getting close to the ground? We'll just show the camera dramatically zooming into the ground. Oh, uh, didn't make it. Well, now I got to pick up all that money. <laughs> they really play up the knee card too with uh, Keanu. Is it his football injury? <laughs> yeah, it went real bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's reaction. Jesus, Bodie. <laughs> <laughs> 
And what you, Scott, you're not right. As far as like the downer kind of, it was like, what did this accomplish? Like what, what, yeah. did, he gain, what did he gain out of any of this right now? <laughs> like she was going to be released regardless, I assume. Right. I mean, so yeah. it's like, what was the, what was the role? He, he here? got to experience a different kind of life that he never <laughs> knew he'd enjoy. Mm-hmm. He got to sleep with Lori Petty. Well, it's a breakup scene, right? That's what we're watching. Right. Well, we see yeah. that him yeah. jump out of the, jumping out of the plane it's a, it's a very it's the most dramatic breakup scene oh for sure Bodhi takes it well like he just lost a lot all things considered yeah he lost three out of five of his buddies yeah, his three buddy. out of four of his buddies one's his brother <laughs> and he's got the yeah. worst one the worst one is left the most psycho yep. How do they get back home? He's got a bum knee. She's got no shoes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a sucky walk. Yeah. It's <laughs> terrible to do take after take of. If you're Lori Petty. Uh, Ridley Scott was attached at one point to direct this. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah, you can see him knocking this out. Coming off of what? Um, From was the it? director of Black Rain. Exactly, yeah, Black Rain. Uh. <clears throat> Michael Douglas is point break. Michael <laughs> Douglas surfing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you don't want to see it. Tell me you don't want to see it. <laughs> what do you mean, surfers? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Douglas, yeah. The other um, in that particular circumstance with Michael Douglas. um, We got to go older than Douglas, but also capable of Zen. (laughs) What's what falls into that category? Barringer's not Zen. Barringer's just intense, like always. Like, yeah, but I mean, I mean, there aren't a lot of Swayze's back then. Yeah, well, there's got to be someone that's like cool. Like, I don't know. Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) William William Devane. Devane. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, oh no, Devane would be the old or the part. Yeah, Devane teeth. would be the busy. <laughs> the teeth gotta have the teeth. Oh, he's got his. Uh, he's almost got his Bill and Ted hair here, right? Isn't it? Yeah, like yeah he's got his. Uh, he's got his indie Keanu hair. Exactly. Yeah, he's got his his, his my private air Idaho hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> The other, you know, we haven't talked about this at all, but the other thing that really, you know, solidified this in pop culture, not that it wasn't already because it was, it, it made so much sense in the context of the movement, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz took point break. And oh, yes. Right. Certainly made, made it more of a part of the lexicon when it comes to, you know, Staple 90s, 90s action. action staples, as well as like really going to town on the, the you know, the shooting in the air sequence. <laughs> or like, Wait, is this, is this Australia? Yeah, because doesn't he say I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand? Yes. So that like, this is awesome. there's uh, Australia where these these the legendary storm will happen that'll create the the biggest waves. Years or yeah. And I believe this guy has a very thick Australian accent to further right, emphasize this. Accent. Yeah. Okay. 
it is like it is fun that there's like a, a fourth act to this film. <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of gives you more of this bonus ending. Well, I got, yeah, and I think it was more that like the epilogue, but it's an epilogue. It, yeah, epilogue. But there is act. like a fight sequence. I yeah, it's not just a simple like reuniting. Yeah. It's it's a we're gonna have a fight now in the ocean. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's not, uh, that's Bigelow and Jet, like her movies aren't, they're not easy. You know, they don't, they don't conclude on like satisfying beats all the time. You you get a lot of stuff to like build into things and before the endings, which are sometimes, lots of times ambiguous as far as the choices that are made. Like her, like, you know, <laughs> her seemingly least popular film, Detroit, you know, there's, the whole ordeal that's like a horror scenario before you get to this courtroom thing that does not resolve satisfyingly. Um, it, it's a it's a gauntlet of stuff that you're put through. Hurt Locker's not too different. Like you have a lot of things that happen before you get to another, you, know, you get to some dramatic finishes involving just how far the bomb disposal stuff will go before you put Jeremy Renner back at home to give it either even further like standing on what's going on in his head. Does she? Does Bigelow have anything planned? Do we know? It's been pretty quiet on the Bigelow front as yeah. far as future projects go. And the last three are all with Mark Bowl as the writer, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, she was she involved in the GameStop project because I know he was. That I, he was for sure. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh course you know nobody's talking about that anymore because it turned out to be a non-story right as expected but yeah currently there's nothing nothing on the on the books here i i have no doubt that she's you know developing stuff probably probably with bowl but every time i see you know who should direct this and who should direct that and it's generally a you know female superhero movie it's like bringing Catherine Bigelow it's like she doesn't want to do movies like that I mean it's like, <laughs> it's like that's not to say she can't or she couldn't do it well but it's like look at the past movies she's done like clearly she has priorities as far as the kinds of themes well, she wants to go after that's the only female director they can name off the top of their head <laughs> it's mm. like everybody likes to you know to show how whatever they are by oh you know idris elba should play this part mm-hmm. right that's, that's the only one you can think of that's young enough this is a good little fight that these guys get in by the way <laughs> this is, they're beating each other down and it's wet <laughs> all this water again <laughs> it did like every time i see snow it just makes me feel like this must have been miserable to shoot <laughs> i have to do this oh, over and over again <laughs> And they're like, you know, like Keanu's decked out in denim. That's got to suck <laughs> to dress like this. Oh, got those handcuffs on you. Real expensive assignment he went on. He went to Australia. I assume he had to get like extradition <laughs> forms ready and everything. Well, he shot a cop, so I imagine there'd be a certain uh, leeway. I mean, it's been years. <laughs> it's been, they've been doing this. They have determined how how many how long the time has passed. I, mean, I figured it might have been just you know, six months or something. But the hair's grown, so nine months later. <laughs> That's real good. You got your man. 
<laughs> what did we just guess it or did you read that somewhere? I read it. It's on it's an error. Oh, okay. It's in the books. Yeah. Canon. <laughs> <laughs> what if Reeves said no? <laughs> just, they, they just they just the credits just go over them walking away from the beach <laughs> in handcuffs. <laughs> he struggles, the police grab him by the legs. Credits are playing. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand is a great line of dialogue. I really like that. That's, that's always stuck with me more than most of the lines of this movie. Oh yeah. That is. A, yeah. It's just like, he delivers it a certain way. It just sticks with it. But I mean, it, it's a credit to, even though we're talking about some of the dial, questionable dialogue in, in this movie and stuff, it, it it's it is a credit to the obviously the performers in the movie in general and the script that we know that he's got to let him go like even though everything in us is like well no why wouldn't you just keep him arrested it's like no he he has to do this like it the movie has to go it has to go this way and that that i in my mind i know that i always think is a good sign of like how effective uh, a story is oh, yeah you're, you're you're rooting for them to accomplish certain things and You've, but he's the bad guy. He I is. Mean, but you. But for one thing, he's made he's made his points as far as he's not going anywhere. I mean, but, but also <laughs> like you you you've bonded with these guys enough where it's like the the satisfaction of this guy who's been so zen about things and has a certain way of thinking about life. You you need him to surf this wave. Like the movie, the movie needs that to happen. He's not going anywhere. He's not coming back. Oh, that's right. I, I don't know how they did this, where they get like a giant wave and a guy. That was crazy. Yeah, so it was like an optical or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Then he pulls like a what? He pulls a high noon and he throws his badge down in the water. Badge in the sand. Yep. What's the other one? It's high noon and what else? What's the other movie? It's like that. Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. There we go. Of course. Why wouldn't it be? I haven't seen. Uh, Fast and Furious and Forever, does Walker throw his badge away at the end? No, he just stares at the screen blank. He does not. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the movie just cuts to black two seconds after. Yeah. He just, he oh, says, like, I, I owed you a 10 second car, and Diesel drives off, and he just lays, like, walking to screen. Whoa. Maybe it's just the way they're angling it, where it, it just makes it seem huge, ginormous. It's not, it seems powerful. Yeah. Now I don't need a job anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and it is, I mean, I, I know sometimes I'm a fan of bookends. Sometimes I'm not in this case. I do like how literal, how literal the, uh, the, the compliment is. It's like, it starts with him being kick-ass in the rain as a cop or an FBI agent. It ends with him losing the job or quitting the job. And it begins also with Swayze being amazing as surfing and what we assume is his demise. Like it's a pretty good open and close, like visual. Uh, and to a certain extent, you know, visually, by the end of the movie, Reeves is the you know vaguely hippieish looking guy, while True. you know Sweezy is more clean cut. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's shaved. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We assume I'm assuming Sweezy shaved 
and stuff to basically be incognito. Didn't yeah, that, he, that did it. Yeah, he certainly did not look like Patrick Swayze with flowing hair at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, it really, it really is one of my, like, one of my favorites, like, of all time, this movie. Like, just despite I, I understanding Aaron's points about some of the dialogue and some of the, you know, some of Reeves's performance. Well, I know. could pull this movie apart, but I, I do really like it. Like, it's a, it's a fantastic oh, yeah. action it, movie. It works. I mean, it's, it's, I, again, I, I think it's, it's, it's particulars are enough to make it work both because and despite the quirks, so to speak. Yeah, no, the, it's, it's a yeah. very individual. I mean, again, it's, I, I'm still shocked that it's not ripped off more often, but maybe that's, you know, an IP world, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the things that it accomplishes, it does so well, the things that you want to focus on. Like I, you, like I mentioned, I watched Hard yeah. Boiled. I watched Hard Boiled not too long ago. That's a movie where everything's on fire, including Chow Yun Fat, and a baby pees on Chow Yun Fat's leg and puts out the fire. It's also one of the best action movies ever made. Like, it doesn't matter that there's bad stuff sometimes in these movies. Like, yeah. It still adds up. <laughs> um, and, you know, not to go on an old rant, but I, I, I sometimes get annoyed when I see certain critical demographics getting upset about specificity in big movies while then decrying that big movies are generally boring and vanilla. You, know, you can't have it both ways. You know, this is a film that is anything but vanilla, especially you know 30 years ago. Um, and I think whatever deficiencies Reeves had as an actor at that point, the film benefits by casting someone who looks like him and sounds like him and acts like him. Um, a genuinely unique screen presence versus one, uh, you know, a more conventional action hero sort. And I have to assume that was intentional. Um, and I think the I personas at that time of Swayze and Reeves, you know, again, it's not quite Pacino and De Niro and Heat, but it's it's in that sandbox. All right. So we've, we've talked sufficiently about Point Break now. We've wrapped everything up here. So let's... Uh... Where can people find everybody's work online? Let's start with Scott. Uh, Forbes.com, uh, the ticket booth. So please Google some variation of Scott Mendelson Forbes or the ticket booth or, and the ticket booth. Uh, my Twitter is at Scott Mendelson. And that's pretty much it as far as I mean, I have a Facebook page, but it's mostly for, for family photos. <laughs> Peter Paris, where can we find more of you online? Uh, I write at uh, ysoblue.com and uh I'm starting. I've been uh, trying to work on a YouTube channel, which is just my name, Peter Paris, um, and that's it. Oh, and on Twitter, I'm Pajamo. I, I'm telling you, hey, it's Peter Paris is a great YouTube channel name. It's that's, that's what I'm going to keep. <laughs> yeah, it's Peter. That's, hey, it's Peter Paris. <laughs> Brandon Peters, where can people find more of you? Uh, BrandonPetersShow.com on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Right now, I've got. Probably my live show from PopCon 2021 running and then The Crow, which we did a commentary on like five years ago. Yeah. So, revisiting that. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, you can find everything I do over at thecodazeek.com and also writing reviews at Will You Live Entertainment and Why So Blue. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find this podcast on iTunes and everywhere you can find podcasts. Follow our Facebook page, our Instagram and Twitter and all of that. What's next? August. August. I got some. I got some ideas. There's some. There's some movies that are celebrating some anniversaries and some other cool stuff. So we'll come back. We'll we'll come up with. We're something. gonna watch Suicide Squad. Cool. <laughs> but uh, we got. There's some things. Uh, but yeah. With that said, 
thank you, Brandon, Scott, and Peter, for joining me for this Point Break commentary. All right. Thank Always you. a pleasure. That is going to do it for this month's commentary. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. 